0: This is LBC leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850 Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Friday morning, and don't you just look up to the heavens and go, it's been such a traumatic week this week for everything. You know, everything from losing Robin Williams to losing Lauren Bacall. I don't know, it just seems to have been a a catalogue of things this week, doesn't it? And the front page of every paper this morning is Cliff Richard. We'll get round to that in a, a moment. There's a mum in the paper today who died from diabetes. She thought she was just tired. She had no idea she had diabetes, and yet the warning signs were there. For about the 50 millionth time, I'll give you the warning signs for diabetes this morning, because uh, perhaps you might not know that you've got diabetes either. Oh, and bad news, Mel Gidroich and Sue Perkins are presenting their first daytime chat show in 16 years. I think we can wait another 16. I mean, to be honest with you, you have to look at the question. Uh, They've not been on television for 16 years presenting a chat show, because the last one was, I think, called Mel and Sue Do Lunch or something. I I seem to remember it was that, and it was sort of, it was a loose format. Mind you, every time I hear Mel Gidroyd's voice on the toe, she does a voiceover for a supermarket, I get angry anyway, because she's about as funny as as unfunny things, I'm afraid. Fifi Geldof has revealed she suffers from depression, but then she's become quite vocal, hasn't she, over the last, uh, last few weeks. Uh, also, nothing like hard, but you know when you take the butter out of the fridge? And you you can't scrape it off because it's too hard. And then you've got to put it on the toast or the bread. If you put it on the bread, it rips the bread to pieces, so that doesn't work. So So what they have invented is a knife that can take off the top layer of butter. And it looks brilliant. It's the kind of thing Lakeland would probably come up with. I haven't found out who actually makes it yet. I'll find out and let you know. But it's always been my bugbear that you take hard butter out of the fridge. So I use that softer butter, that Lurpak stuff. You know when you sort of lure pack... I think it's it's sort of it seems to obviously go soft at a lower temperature, and I I quite like that idea. I like that idea, and so you can you can butter things a lot easier. But with the hard butter that comes out of the fridge, it's a nightmare. But this butter this uh, butter knife seems to seems to solve the problem. Uh, a new survey says that you don't trust the train firms. I don't. When they, when they say you don't trust the train firms, all I think of on, on a train is: Am I getting on it? Is it clean? And generally speaking, it is. All right, occasionally they haven't had enough cleaners to clean up the metro and... Cov- I'm always amazed that people at co- leave coffee cups sitting on a train. What ignorant peasants they must be. And so there's, there's that. But I, I, I invariably pick up a newspaper. That was always good fun. And, the, you know, the place isn't that, isn't that dirty. So, I mean, of course I trust them. All right, sometimes train services get cancelled and then you just wait for the next one. And I am lucky where I live that we've got such a service. I can get about six different trains... Back to where I am. And if the worst comes to the worst, I can get a, an underground train to Richmond and then just walk outside the station and get a bus. So, not, not complicated at all. Oh, bad news. Bad news. Just when you thought it was fairly safe to walk out, Ruth Langsford is releasing a fashion line. Oh, dear God in heaven. What's his granny look or something? They say, oh, a lot of people compliment me on my look. Do they? Who? I mean, it was bad enough when she started getting her eyes lasered and we had to suffer with that advert all over the place. Uh, the Asian elders who've rejected the Tory claims that a new peer who's given £300,000 is a leading figure in the, in the Asian market. They said, never even heard of him. Never even heard of him. So we'll have a look at that one uh, this morning. And um, what was the other story? Oh, yes, the Lib Dems say make cannabis legal for those in pain. Because we've had that story running for a little while, haven't we? That those people who are ill have... Uh, have taken to using cannabis, because apparently it eases the pain. That's what they say. I mean, I don't know. I don't smoke cannabis, and I've, I can't even bear the smell of it, actually. <laughs> Cannot bear the smell of it. You were all talking about coffee with Ollie. I thought it was quite interesting. Oh, no, some man who came on talking to Ollie with the most boring voice I've ever heard in my life. Poor soul, honestly, I'm assuming he was on his last legs. Dreadful. It's so funny, because when you listen to people's voices on the radio, you build up an image of what they look like. And I remember years ago there was this documentary done about Clive Bull and it showed a lot of his uh, listeners and some of them were were fairly unusual, to say the least. I think it was called Nightcaller. It's probably on YouTube. And there were some very odd people in there, many of whom I don't even think are with us anymore. I don't think they are. Uh, And so that was was quite interesting. I heard another one of those voices this morning, which I haven't heard in ages and ages and ages. Uh, Downton Abbey, as you now know, made a bit of a mistake because when they were having a a picture taken... Uh, there's a plastic bottle on the mantelpiece, which I think is hilarious. I love stuff like that. I, I love little... There's a book out, isn't there? And it's got all the all the little faux pas in films. One of them being, I think, in one thing, the Roman army is standing there and a plane goes by in the background, which, of course, was hilarious. Another one, there's a Roman soldier wearing a wristwatch. It's got all these faux pas in films. I love things like that. I, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm always terribly impressed that, that somebody... Uh, Somebody sits there and they, they watch a film from start to finish and, and they can pick out the other things. Also, the other thing I was intrigued about is the uh, story yesterday that came back that we're not going to have any big rescue mission for all these people. The, these refugees trapped on the mountains, um, I mean, they're, they're very vulnerable and it's I mean, it sounds absolutely disastrous, but they've said there aren't enough up there for them to warrant doing uh, a mission. And so, they're not going to uh, to do anything. They're not going to do anything about it. They're just going to say they'll carry on dropping uh, food and water, but they're not going to they're not going to do any big rescue mission. And also, I didn't quite work out, and I couldn't work out the other day where we were going to put these people. Were we were we rescuing them and bringing them here? Or were we rescuing them and taking them to America? What are we going to do with these people? As usual, probably, it would be us again. So we'd be left with a load of people who, again, couldn't contribute anything to us. There's no point in bringing them here. They're not going to serve any purpose for here. They might as well just make sure they've got enough bedding and, and they're particularly safe. It's this, it's this beheading thing that goes on, isn't it? Which is kind of slightly disturbing when you hear some of the rantings of these lunatics who uh, and we had the picture the other day didn't we of a 7 year old boy holding up the severed head of a of a Syrian uh, officer one of the soldiers out there and I couldn't quite understand where the where the where the mental issue came in how on earth a 7 year old boy is going to cope with that in later life or whether or not he's going to have to sort of go into rehab or something because he's got a mentally ill father these people are quite clearly cracked although was it the other day Bernard Hogan-Howe was saying we're going to get people coming back from fighting in Syria and we're not going to know whether or not they're barmies Or whether they just sort of slip back into society. Uh, John in Boca Raton says, what do you think of Prince Harry's new girlfriend? He's got a new girlfriend? Are you sure? Has this made the media yet? I like it when Prince Harry gets a new girlfriend because you know damn well they don't last all but five minutes. I'm more worried about ITV dusting off Sunday night at the London Palladium with Jack Wiltshire, who's about as funny as unfunny things, I'm afraid. But I'm intrigued by the woman who died of diabetes. She's in the in the papers for today. She's only young. She thought it was just general tiredness. You know, so many people nowadays, in fact, if there's one thing I've heard more over the last three months than anything else, is people complaining about how tired they are. You know, and I've said, well, it could be the weather. And, of course, the other thing it could be is, is diabetes. If you have got diabetes, the hard and fast rule is... Uh, well, it's, well, there's a couple of them, but the easiest one is is going to the toilet. If you go to the toilet a number of times in the night, there is a very good chance you are diabetic. And when I say a number of times, I'm not talking about twice, but I'm talking about if you, if you go, you know, you sort of climb into bed an hour later, you're up because you need to go for a wee. Then the chances are you have probably got diabetes. If you're doing that about five or six times a night, I could do it ten times, ten times a night. You know, and if you were, if you sweat so much in bed. Now, I, mean, I appreciate some people do get hot in bed, but diabetics without a, a little thermostat, your thyroid, can go up and down, hot and cold. You know, you can manage to get through. And also, if, if you go to bed if you're a diabetic and you've had sort of a, a cold drink or you've had a fizzy drink or you've had a milkshake, some people drink milkshakes. I know people who are diabetics and they drink milkshakes. I mean, I'll have one very, very occasionally. And I mean, it, it might be once every six months, I might go for a little treat. I suffer the consequences, as indeed do many diabetics. And um, I remember we, we did it a short while ago. We went out with two of my godchildren and, oh, look, bicycles. And there was a drive-through McDonald's. So we did go in there and I did get a chocolate milkshake and it was delicious. But I suffered for the next hour. Because, A, you get this roof burn on the top of your mouth because it's so cold. And secondly, because it's so full of sugars, it just sends me completely round the twist. I've got no idea where I am half the time. <laughs> Mind you, that's normal for me. It's quite normal to not know where I am. 8 for Steve at lbc.co.uk. And is Las Vegas running dry? They've got a picture of, uh, of the dam there. And it's much lower than it should be. I mean, it really is much lower because when you look at Las Vegas, if you've never been, every hotel has got some water feature from the from the Venetian, which has got the water. In, admittedly, it's the same water that's running round the Venetian and you can have um, a, a gondolier who will punt you up and down and will sing to you. It's a bit naff, but it's an adult playground and we like it. The funny thing is they're not actually punting the boats. The boats are attached underneath to a little monorail and the, that drags them round, so they don't, they don't have to negotiate it at all. But it's, it's cleverly done, very cleverly done. And then if you look outside the main hotels, I mean, the Bellagio has got all the fountains, but they're not necessarily filling them up all the time, I suppose so. There must be some water evaporation. And they now say, is it in danger of running dry? I mean, Lake Mead is the main source of fresh water for the hotspot. Lowest levels ever, and the biggest crisis. They'll have to start digging for more water, won't they? It is, it is If you are going, and I know lots of you have probably been there and lots of you are thinking of going, and lots of you would love to go, it's not expensive. It's cheap for us. And uh, there's, there's so much food available over there. I mean, there's food everywhere. If you want to eat high-end or you want to eat you know, rock-bottom, their portions over there are enormous. Compared to the British portions, they really are big. The other thing is that uh, you're in the middle of the desert. It is boiling hot. I mean, nothing but nothing. Unless you've been to Florida in the middle of summer, which I wouldn't advise anybody to go to, but it is absolutely baking hot. I mean, it's the most unbelievable place for heat. I can remember being in Florida first time before I'd been to Vegas, and that I found absolutely dreadful. I mean, that was like, pff, wall of heat. I mean, like a wall of heat. Nothing over here. Over here, we have a few hot days. We'll go, ooh, like me. I can't cope with it at all. Uh, also, we're about to tell you this morning that Prince Charles is not potty. Oh, no, he's not. Prince Charles uh, has discovered, as he did some time ago, that plants talk to themselves. And so they, I know you smile. I know you smile. Or it's wind. And, uh, but it, it's occasionally that Charles gets it right. And plants really can talk to each other. I went out yesterday to the, I, w- I went out to a local, um, what do they call them, where you get plants? <laughs> a garden centre. <laughs> oh, these senior moments get better. Anyway, so I, went to, I go to the garden centre. Now, this is a is a sort of classic example of where you think to yourself, how dumb are some of the people they employ? So I buy a bottle of Tomerite, okay, which is quite big and quite heavy. And I buy three plants, you know, in reasonably sized pots. So I've got them in a basket and the woman looks at me and she goes, Would you like a bag? And so I look at so I smile and I go How else? (laughs) And I laugh and I say, Perhaps I could put them in my pockets. Well that was it, I got the blank face from her from that moment on. And it's a case of was she really that that stupid? As to what you've got three plants there and but no, what I'll go out balancing balancing them on my head, dear. You know, I just don't understand where these people are coming from. Of course I want a bag. Just put it... You shouldn't even have to ask. Just put it in a bag. You shouldn't ask the woman in front of me if she wanted a bag. But she asked me if I wanted a bag. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's just, it's just... You sort of think to yourself... You know, I tell you what, when you're in a... It's like in a supermarket, you know, and you've got all this stuff going on, and you go, do you want a bag? You think, no, I'll just, I'll just push it onto the floor, shall I, love? God, there's some dumb people that really are out there. And also, it's the fact they look bored. They never look happy, whereas me, I could be really happy working till. hello, I could really infuriate people. <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty certain I could really infuriate people. Yes, we know all about Josie Cunningham. Yes, poor Josie, the woman blessed with no looks whatsoever, has come up with the latest little twist in an effort to get her desperately sad, sagging carcass into the papers. She's had a boob job. What does she want now? She wants her nose done. Well, you pay for it. You pay for it, pretty girl, because you're just so attractive. In fact, I think I could have lined you up with one of our listeners this morning, one of the ones who was talking to Ollie Mann with the most boring voice under the sun. It really was dreadfully dreary. I sort of imagined he was probably on medication. 17 minutes past four. And the team this morning. Cliff Richards' house has been searched over historical sex abuse allegations. But why was the media tipped off and has it already harmed the investigation? One of his guests this morning is John O'Connor. The former Met Police Commander. And he says um, it's a complete betrayal of police integrity. As a former Met Police Commander, he says, I feel ashamed watching it. If it was a police officer who tipped them off, there should be discipline. Well, how else? I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it must have been a copper who tipped off the newspapers because they don't sit outside there waiting to raid a place or do whatever they do, waiting for the, for the press to turn up because the press wouldn't be, be anywhere near it. But in fact, they all managed to get there as the police cars swept in. I mean, how, that, that was a tip-off. Quite clearly, unless, of course, we've got psychic press nowadays, which I think is very unlikely. So it'll be very interesting to hear John O'Connor today. He says it's disgraceful the media were tipped off. Somebody, obviously, is on a backhander. He says whoever, and if it was a police officer who tipped them off, they should be disciplined. Because that's that's breaking all the rules. That's, that's doing everything that is against police integrity. They're not supposed to do it, but we know that police officers tip off the press because we've seen it in the past. But is this somebody phoning up one of them? Because all the papers managed to get it. Must have been very busy, this person. Very busy. It's the front page of every single every single paper. So John O'Connor will talk about that today. Charlene White, the news presenter, will be live in the studio. She loves listening to this programme. She told me last, last time. She's quite horrified about some of the things that we say on the show. But there again, you see, she comes from a generation where you don't say anything. You know, you don't... It'd be, it'd be so lovely, wouldn't it? <coughs> they did a, a comedy sketch, I think, on Not The Nine O'Clock News years ago, where they had a newsreader, and it was news for the elderly. And they start off by going, hello, <laughs> is the news, you know, being terribly patronising. then one of the articles was, uh, and eggs have gone up in price. Shocking, isn't it? I don't know how we manage. I don't know how we make ends meet nowadays. They'll be putting the price of soup up next. Because that was it. You'd love to see a newsreader actually passing comment on the news stories of the day and making comment about, you know, Jonathan Ross going back to the radio. Andrew Sachs's wife is furious, as you can well imagine. You know, the BBC have put it back on there because the BBC, unfortunately, they're not responsible to anybody. They stick two fingers up to you, you little peasants. They don't care about you. Why should they care about you? That's why, you know, the dirty, filthy phone call that he made, they're putting him back on the radio again. Because he's potty mouth. I mean, I could tell you a story about Jonathan Ross that you would not believe. I mean, I really could tell you a few stories about Jonathan Ross that you wouldn't believe. Some of them make even me blush, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850... Well, that bottle of water is the most interesting thing that came out of the programme. Ah, well, there you go. Uh, obviously, Reese not very happy about that. It's funny, I love watching Little Mistakes. He says, and at least East Coast passengers, your train will either be late, cancelled and dirty. Well, it's your own fault for going on East Coast. We don't have any East Coast trains. Do we coming into our London state? Well we have East Do we? They don't come into Waterloo. I've never seen any of those. We're all south... south, King's Cross, is it? Oh, they're welcome to it down there. It's a dirty place anyway. Who'd want to go to King's Cross? 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here, which says, uh, I'm enjoying listening to your wonderful show. I know. Uh, Robert Webb presents a show called Great Movie Mistakes. Uh, Phil says, will we be inundated with adverts for this new butter knife? Well, I'm getting one. Don't you, want, don't you want a butter... Do you want this butter knife? I don't know why you wouldn't want it. Sounds brilliant. I love new inventions. We've not had new inventions for ages... Oh, my goodness me, what's that? This is, um, Hampstead. Oh, dear, we know a number of people who live in Hampstead, don't we? I think Adrian has moved to Hampstead. Well, they've, they've done a map of the area, but it looks like a giant willy. Have you, have you seen, do you see the picture of the paper this morning? <laughs> bless them. Bless them over there. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Uh, and then the, the cock-up on the lottery. Oh, sorry to move from one to the other. <laughs> it's a bit strange, isn't it? Uh, Furious players have bland, branded the National Lottery a con after an all-time low jackpot and pitiful payouts. Because um, organisers, Camelot, have shoved up the price to two quids, OK, but they've, they've still got, you know, big big winnings over in the National Health kind of thing. They're, they're 100,000 here, 50... There's nothing, really. It's pathetic. But anyway... Uh, on Wednesday's draw, there was a 60% rise in £25 winners after six balls drawn were under 31. They're the most popular picks as players relate them to special dates. That meant that 219,000 people picked up £25, leaving a smaller overall prize pot. 16,000 punters with four numbers got just £15 each, compared to the average of £106 for the previous ten draws. 15 quid! You'd have thrown it back in their face, wouldn't you? So three numbers paid £25, four numbers paid 15 Well, it's a cock-up, isn't it? Camelot defended the unusual prizes, saying significantly more people had to share the pot due to the balls. Yes, balls is what it is, a complete balls-up, I'm afraid. They said it's it's a lottery, and dependent on the numbers drawn and how many people pick them. It's still a cock-up, isn't it, Camelot? Whichever way you want to spin it. Three numbers 25 quid, four numbers 15 you know, it's just not good enough, is it? Uh, Robin Williams had lots of pets over the years, and uh, he had an adopted rescue dog, and they became best pals. They said it helped him fight depression. 'd be stupid, it didn't. He killed himself because of depression, so it didn't help him fight depression. And now we know that there was Parkinson's there as well. That's, you know, that was really the ultimate. I suppose it was that, and the fact that there wasn't very much money around because he'd had a couple of expensive divorces. But that's nothing to do with us. You know, if somebody happens to marry somebody and then they take... I mean, it's like John Cleese. If he chooses to marry three times and they take him for as much as they can, it would be cheaper to pay for sex on an hourly basis than it would to get married to any of these people. Surely these Hollywood stars... That's why they all sign the prenups. They have to sign a prenup uh, because they... um, Because they... So I'm just reading a press complaints commission ruling. uh, (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Which is in the sun today. But they have to sign these prenups to protect their fortune. Because they all get married. I suppose, you know, people are very good. I mean, if you get married to an actress or an actor, they're very used to acting. And that means they go, I really love you, really love you. And once they're married they've got their feet under the table, that's it. They're going to take you for as much as they can get. if you've got a fortune like John Cleese had a fortune, then somebody's going to take it. And they did, I think, twice. He had to go on tour, didn't he, to pay for the divorce. And it makes you wonder, what do you bother getting married for in the first place? What is the point of getting married? Make sure you do a will. I can't impress on people enough. I cannot impress on people enough about doing a will. I tell everybody, do a will. And the reason you do a will is to make it easier for those who come after you. It's as simple as that. If you've done a will, just imagine, let me, let me give you a hypothetical situation. So you're a boyfriend and girlfriend and you've been together for, let's say, six years 7 years, something like that, and you live together and you share everything and you have you know you've got a you've got a house and that's lovely and then one party dies. And there's no will. What do you think's going to happen? Just supposing the man survives and the woman dies, her family are her next of kin. They get all of her stuff. So in other words, if you haven't got enough money to pay for half of the house, you've got to remortgage or you've got to sell the place. If you make a will, it makes it so much easier. You leave your half of the house to them, they leave half of the house to you. You've got to do that. It's the only way to protect yourself. I've been banging on for years and years and years about making a will. Make a will. You can end up with nothing. You can absolutely end up with nothing at all. And in fact, when it comes to the funeral, the family aren't interested. You know, you've got to be very careful. If you make wills, then it's fine. If you don't make wills, all sorts of people can crawl out of the woodwork and lay claim to the estate. And it certainly doesn't go to you. That's what's, uh, that's what's a bit difficult nowadays. So my advice to everybody... Well, first of all, check on the, on the diabetes. If you're going to the toilet a lot, diabetes. You know, you've got to go and check that. It's a simple little test. You could do a urine test at the doctor's on a stick and they'll tell you straight away or just a simple blood test will tell you. And, um, and make a will. Please make a will. You'll thank me, I promise you, in later life. You'll go, thank goodness it made it so much easier. If you don't make a will then the whole thing could just be a total disaster. Uh, For Friday, the weather today, we've decided we're going out for dinner tonight. Four of us from here are going out for dinner. It it should be a riot. I'm hoping it's not going to be a riot, but I have a feeling it it, it could be quite a lively little night. It'll be a night full of gossip and tittle-tattle, which I very much enjoy. I like a bit of tittle-tattle. I might tell my Jonathan Ross story tonight. I might tell it. Uh, The headline... Sunshine and showers. Bright start, early isolated showers, heavier, more frequent, and perhaps thundery. Uh, at the moment, it's about uh, 12 degrees. It'll climb to about 20 today. Roughly the same as yesterday. Very windy this morning. Very, you can tell uh, we're going autumnal because the hanging baskets are now looking as though they're on their last legs. And uh, they're dropping lots of flowers and they're looking a, looking a bit sad, it has to be said. So they might have to go this weekend. And then we prepare for, the, for winter. The nurseries are full of winter flowering pansies already. And the advice is, here we go, another piece of fantastic advice from the Steve Allen Show on LBC. Here on Sunday morning as well, between 6 and 8, just when you thought you could escape, you can't. Because I do the paper review that ends all paper review on Sunday. We take no prisoners at all, but I've got a sneaking feeling what's going to be all over the Sunday papers. But the winter flowering pansies, they've got lovely with all the flowers, don't they? Cut them off. Cut them off. When you put your winter flowering pansies in, and you planted them all up... You cut the flowers off. Every time a bud appears, pull it off. OK? And that will help the plant spread. Because at the moment, it pushes all its energy into the little flower. Cut them all off. Do it every morning. Every morning you go out there. When you walk past the pots, pick off the flowers. Just throw them into the pot, of you It doesn't make any difference. Just pick off the flowers, pick off the buds, and the plant will spread. Then, when you want them to flower... You let them go, and they will. They will. I promise you, repay three, four times the size they were originally when you bought them. So they look pretty with the flowers on, but the moment you get them home, you plant them, cut the flowers off, the little buds hiding under leaves. I could spend age. I could spend a happy half an hour doing that, cutting them all off, and then they spread because the plant will then think, "Oh, we, we can spread out a little bit." So in fact, in an average size pot, you might only need two winter flowering pansies because they'll spread so nicely. Four thirty. There you go. And uh, I'm on Sunday morning as well, between five and six. It's In Conversation. Uh, This week, Kevin Bishop. Charming, charming, charming. And Anthony Head will be in. He's talking about a new cartoon which he has voiced. It's an old cartoon. It's an Argentinian one. And they've revoiced it and there's him and Ralph Little. Loads of people. Loads of people. We were going to get Ralph Little in as well because we we love Ralph Little. But we got Anthony Head instead. Uh, Fifi. Geldof has revealed she suffers from depression. I mean, do you know, all, for years you don't hear from Fifi Geldof, and the next minute, you know, she's out twittering and writing the four-letter word, the foot one, which we don't talk about on the programme, and, compl- and then all of a sudden she's suffering from depression. They're an old family, aren't they? I mean, you have to be honest, when you look at the Geldofs, they don't seem to be like any other family I've ever seen before. They've all got barking mad names. I mean, anybody called Fifi... We had... Was it Fifi... Fifi Trixabel... Peaches was quite a normal one, even though it's sort of an odd sort of name. Then we've got Heavenly Harani Tiger Lily. was the other one? We've got... Who? Pixie. Oh, that's right, we've got Pixie Geldof as well. They're the oddest names, aren't they? Because anything less like a Fifi is Fifi Geldof. Doesn't look, you know, Fifi man... It it's always reminds me of a character from The Merry Widow, where they go to Maxime's, where all the girls are dreams, and glo Clo margo frou frou and they've all got these little sort of... And Fifi is a bit of a sort of, you know, ooh, femme fatale kind of name, and then you look at her and you realise not a femme fatale at all. But anyway, she suffers from depression, and uh, she says, I've now... I want to speak out publicly about my own depression, which I've suffered for, for years, just in a feeble attempt to bring some more awareness. She says, I wear a permanent mask, so I won't be judged by feeling how I actually feel. So I think everybody in that family is suffering from depression and, and we don't know about it and they're all going to come out one by one and tell us. I mean, perhaps that would explain Bob Geldof's dreary music. I mean, because he hasn't had a hit for Donkeys years, has he? I mean, he's got a new album out, I believe. I mean, to be honest with you, the Boomtown Rats had their day... Pfft, don- I think they only had about three hits, but they managed to bring out a Greatest Hits album. I always thought Bob Geldof was, uh, was the world's greatest self-publicist without actually having any substance. I always thought he, he was sort of like a poor man's Mick Jagger. In fact, a very, very poor man's Mick Jagger. Uh, Paul McCartney is used to dealing with big egos. At the height of the Beatles' fame, John Lennon declared the band were more popular than Jesus. Do you remember that one? He, used to, he said that. But now Paul has become friends with a man who calls himself Jesus. That's Kanye West. They become unlikely mates. The show is Paul McCartney is is a living legend. You just wish he'd stop singing now. I mean. <laughs> I know that's an awful thing to say, but it's like, you know, they get to a certain age, you think, oh, please, please don't sing anymore, please. You know, we want to hold the Beatles up there where they've been for years and we love the music. and We love everything about them. And I love I, the only thing I never liked was the films. I never understood the films at all, but there again, I wasn't smoking joints. And so I didn't understand what was going on. They were all running around and speeded up films and... You know, great songs. I mean, you cannot fault the songs at all. 84850, UK. Gene, it's too rude to tell you. It, it's, it's not, and it would be libel anyway. Uh, it's never slander on the radio. We have to explain this every... Every so often, we have to explain to somebody, if it's on the radio and it's untrue, it's a libel. OK. Gene uh, says, Fifi is what poodles were always called. Yes... Rebecca, winter panties, cut the heads off and pull them off? Or doesn't it matter? It makes no difference. I just twist them off with my fingers, they come off quite easily. And everything, look under the leaves, because they're, little, they're all little blighters, they are, they hide. And you pick them off and they will spread and they're fantastic. If somebody makes a will, how will they be able to thank you later if they're dead? Says Phil, maybe they visit as a ghost. Are you telling me that you don't believe in ghosts? Are you telling me that you don't? People went down to, was it Hever Castle? And uh, they were hoping to find. I think Mary Queen of Scots was there at some point uh, before her execution, and they say her ghost still wanders about. Load of cobblers, of course it doesn't. It's ridiculous. She's dead, and she's minus her head. They used to sew the heads back on again. Didn't you think that was a bit odd? I thought so. They sort of used to cut the heads off, and then they would then they would put them back together again. See, it's a pointless exercise taking them off in the first place. But that's how they did it. And uh, I believe that she and her ghost. It's like Hampton Court Palace. They're supposed to be, because it's a good story, isn't it? Ghosts walk the corridors of Hampton Court Palace. No, they don't. OK, Simple. I might as well tell you that now. There's no point in you sitting there. And in fact, I think that some years ago, ghost hunters sat outside Heaver Castle and they were sort of waiting to see her ghost as it flitted from one. I mean, it's just Codswallop. It's just Codswallop. But they like to believe it. It's like, I can't watch Yvette Fielding's pro. I have to turn it off now. It's the biggest pile of rubbish on the television. I mean, she's as cracked as an old drain. She really is. Oh, wait, what happened there? Is there anybody there? No! There's nobody there, dear. It's just you and your imagination trying to con people into the fact that ghosts exist, which they don't. It's amazing how every every week on the programme they manage to find a ghost, which, of course, the rest of us, you'll sit around, you know, until doomsday and you won't find anything at all. I love that. I did watch this judge... Rinder, the other day, what a pile of rubbish. It's a direct rip-off of Judge Judy, only this time it's with some boring old judge and some really dull people on television. I mean, we don't do it as well as the Americans do it. You cannot recreate a programme as successful as Judge Judy. They've tried to emulate it, but nothing is as big as Judge Judy. Judge Rinder, I mean, it's just another pathetic version of doing a programme like that, but we don't have the sort of people in this country. In America, they're, they're, they're much better... Ours is just, you know, he pinched my kebab and I wanted it back again. And, th- and it's just, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. They, they've tried these things. They tried the People's Court. And that was equally rubbish, excuse me. Mm. Ice cold water. Makes your mouth water, doesn't it? They used to do an advert for opal fruits. I used to sit there salivating watching an opal fruit advert on the television because it, uh, because it used to make your mouth water. Uh, Steve. Uh, have nothing to leave my son. I used to tell them, so they can have all my other things i mean it 's interesting you can you can leave your body to medical science you know if you if you want to to be honest with you though I mean there are certain things you can will to people. you can will your heart, you can will your corneas, you can will, well just about most parts, most parts, and I know what i 'm leaving to medical science. <laughs> it will keep them busy, I tell you. And, um, and so you, you sort of leave. The, that's nice, isn't it? But you'd be surprised. People say, oh, I haven't got any money to leave. But you'd be, if you own a property, you'd be surprised what your estate can add up to. It, it doesn't matter, though. Just leave a will. Even if you put down, I leave all my worldly goods to Steve Allen on LBC. That might happen one of these days. I'm, I'm hoping, secretly, that one of my relatives owns a diamond mine and they're going to phone me up and go, listen, you've been made an offer by De Beers, it's only 680000000 million. I'll, get, I'll take it, I'll take it, all right, I'll take it. Would you do that, though, if, if, you, had, if you had a diamond mine? Would you think, I'll look to the future? And the trouble is, at my age, there isn't much future, is there, really? I, was, I looked at myself in the mirror this morning, you know, as you, as you do every day when you're having a shave and having a wash and all the rest of it, and I thought to myself, how many more years have I got... Producer thinks two, and because um, he's he's after he's after three three at the three at best. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, John, and his father died some years ago when he was sixteen. He said, and his father went in and he had cancer in an advanced stage, and the doctors had said to him, "You've got seven days." Imagine being told. I mean, you've you've really got to crack on if you've got seven days. There is a drug that they were talking about on the television, which they give to people in the last stages of cancer because it can prolong their life by a few months, but they won't give it to people now because it's so expensive. They've said it's it's too expensive to hand out, so they don't. So having dangled the carrot with one hand, they've taken it away with the other. Because anything that prolongs people's life, I would think, would be good. But does it make any difference? You, you get to keep somebody for a little bit longer. It depends what your beliefs are, doesn't it? It depends what, what your beliefs are. If, if you believe in the fact that there is a heaven, if you believe in the fact that there is a God, why would you worry about a drug? Some people appear not to... Not to fear dying, but I don't, I've not been in that situation, so I've got no idea. I wonder how I would cope. I'd be telling you lot every morning about it. Can you imagine? I would absolutely... We'd be. You'd be having to suffer with it with me. We'd be going through it together, as they say. Going through it together. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, and we shall uh, put everything in onto the programme. Uh, right yet again, says Jenny, make a will. And bearing in mind, you can also do a living will, you know, where you film it. I mean, at the moment, we're, we're hoping desperately that a friend of mine who died had left a will somewhere, somewhere, because he was very organised, he, he was very methodical, he did everything, and the fact that he didn't leave a will, you know, kind of puzzles people. I'm hoping that one turns up, absolutely. But, of course, you know, if you're involved in an accident, that's the problem. You can imagine if you're involved in an accident... And and both people die. It's the older one that they deem dies first. Because the younger one, they say, will actually survive. It just it just makes it easier for everybody concerned for you to make a will. Uh, here we go. Boob op scrounger and former prostitute Josie Cunningham, although God knows who'd ever pay for that, is trying to get the public to pay for a nose job. She says people tease her about a hooter. No, it's the fact you're just ugly. Completely. And uh, so she's got a. She's launched a website called Fund My Nose, and it's three thousand pounds. She get a lot of abuse from the public about my nose. They, no, it's not your nose, darling. They just don't like you. You're just a thoroughly despicable person. And um, she says here she wants a nose that make her look like a cross between Michelle Keegan and Jennifer Aniston. Darling, if you live to be twelve, mentally, you'll never be looking anything like that. And uh, this, I mean, she's a. She she got her boob job done on the NHS, and then she got taxpayers' cabs because she couldn't use public transport. To be honest with you, if I saw it on the street, I'd be looking round for the nearest shop to buy rotten eggs and I'd be throwing them at her. I really would. You think the public hate you? Of course they do, because you're an attention seeker with no discernible talent at all. You're just a horrible, horrible person. Absolutely horrible. You know, somebody who comes out and says, oh, I'll abort my child to get on the television, is either incredibly thick, dumb, stupid, or a combination of all three. And I suspect you're probably a combination of all three. Um, what else do we have in the paper today? Oh, there's a load of people who went out um, uh, to a circus tent and uh, the, the thing collapsed. It was Happy's Circus in the New Forest. And um, because of the, the wind, I mean, it was exceptional circumstances, and that's always the big problem for people who have uh, circus tents, is the wind. You've, you know, they, they, they hold them down. They're, they're fairly good. But this particular one, uh, seven holidaymakers were injured when the roof caved in. During heavy winds, because they put up the main poles and then they pull the tent up. I know because I'm a big fan of circus. And then they attach all the sides that go all the way round it. And then they put the doors in and everything else. And then the seating goes in there. And then they put sawdust on the floor. And that's nice. I found a fantastic house for you. I'll tell you about it in a moment. But it's, it's, I mean, it's the sort of house I would probably want. There's been a few of these that have come up for sale. But this one's about the cheapest that I found for you. So if you're prepared to club together, we can go for it. I can't remember how many bedrooms it's got. But I should imagine, you know, it, it could probably sleep about 60 people. So you're looking at something fairly substantial. The good news is you've got no neighbours and there's no chance of anybody getting to you either. So it's as safe as houses. Where is it and how much does it cost? I'll tell you after this.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. According to, uh, to Trevor and Luton, and Ree, you're but a problem. I'm not a butter problem. I don't want to build this up into something that it's not. He says, forget the gadget knife. This is the, the knife incident, if you've just joined us, that is designed to take butter off the hard... When you take it out the fridge and it's rock hard, you can't, you know, when you do it with a normal knife, it's ridiculous. this one's got holes in it. And so as you slide it across the top of the butter, it comes up with little slivers of it and it works beautifully. Well, I say it works, it looks as though it works beautifully in the paper. They say, if you've got hard block butter, cut thin pieces... ...prior to use, and leave for about one to two minutes, and it spreads easily. You know, this one, you can use it straight away, though. Obviously, little curly things work quite well. So, I'm going with my one, I'm afraid, Trevor. I'm not trusting anybody from Luton this morning, I've decided. So, here is this lovely... Actually, no, I'm going to save the house just for one minute. Because it's ever such a sad story in the... Because I flipped over the paper while we were taking a short break there. And it's a story of, uh, Pete Gibruers. Pete Gibrewers is a married man. He's 42... And um, he was heartbroken when it was revealed that his son Joshua, who's seven, has a rare condition that means he has a very high risk of a stroke. And there's a picture of of his son Joshua in the paper today. Nice little lad. Unfortunately, Pete, who's an ex-pilot, had a seizure whilst driving his kids home from school in Solihull in the West Midlands. Uh, Peter, who's got another child as well, was taken to hospital, where doctors discovered a fast-growing brain tumour. He's now been told he's got less than two years to live. I mean, it's it just breaks your heart, because his son at seven will only get to be nine. He's got the high risk of having a stroke. His wife, Lucy, now works at three jobs to keep the family afloat. You know, I don't know how anybody survives things like this at all i don't know people get through things they must have tremendous fortitude and tremendous courage uh, pete says she's incredible she keeps all of our spirits high we just want to make the most of the time we have left as a family isn't that just ghastly isn't that just you know you read about the stupid josie cunningham's of this world the, the biggest waste of space you could ever encounter and then you read about a family there who are going through hell at the moment the wife's having to work to keep everything together plus her sanity i should imagine. And, uh, and they're little boy as well. And you think, in two years' time, that family are not going to have a daddy. And that's when you question, and we come back to it time and time again, don't we? Is there a God? Where is he? Where is he when something like that can happen? You know, do you think that family are going to be going, oh, whoopee-doo, he's been taken... I remember there was that great line in Steel Magnolias. And Daryl Hannah uh, is, uh, is a God-fearing woman in it. And after they've lost a daughter in it... Uh, she turns round to the mother and says, you know, you should be grateful that Shelby is now with her Lord and we should be rejoicing. And the mother goes, well, you go and rejoice. You go and rejoice, she said. Frankly, I'd rather have her down here with me than up there with the Lord. But, you know, you, you believe what you want to believe in, but I want my daughter down here. And, that's, and that, that kind of sums it up to me. You know, nobody can ever justify anybody being taken from you at an early age, 42, 44 he's going to be. And you think to yourself, it's just appalling... I'm going to go and visit a friend of mine tomorrow who's in hospital and he's got brain cancer, and I don't know. I've heard from other people that the prognosis is not is not particularly good, and I've not seen him for years, years and years and years and years. So I'm going to go and see him, and uh, and see how he is. But there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not medically qualified. You could just go there and offer support to people. You know, you go. But then I said to a friend of mine the other day, I don't know. The older I get, more funerals I seem to be going to. You know, and I, I do like a good funeral, but you start thinking about your own mortality. You start thinking, you know, about your aches and pains and your illnesses. And then I spoke to another friend of mine the other day who's on God knows how many. I think, well, it's this, the this same friend. He's on so many tablets in the course of the day. Another friend of mine just had a knee replacement. He's got something in him out with his shoulder. And you think to yourself, I don't know, it's all gone horribly pear-shaped, hasn't it? It really is absolutely terrible at the moment. But you do ask that question. If there is a God, what is he doing? He's obviously not concentrating on us at the uh, the moment. Um, this is the, the house that is for sale. This is the house that is for sale. It's half a million pounds. Now, you might think to yourself, that's a lot of money. If you live outside of the London area, it's a lot of money. If you live inside London, that's just an average two-bedroom flat. OK, if you come around Twickenham, my way, to where we have the rugby... Uh, 550,000 will buy you a two-bedroom flat. This is uh, in the Thames Estuary. You can only get to it by boat or on foot at low tide. You've then got to climb a steep ladder to get in, but it boasts sea views and total seclusion. It's called Grain Tower Battery. It was built in 1855, and it's half a mile off the Isle of Grain in Kent. Now... Uh, the work could cost a million pounds, which is partly why the owner, Simon Cooper, abandoned plans to turn it into a seven-bed mansion. It's now hoped a city worker might be interested. I mean, 60 people stayed there in World War Two, And the estate agent said of the trip from the capital, if you had a nice speedboat, it'd probably take you about 45 or 50 minutes. Because remember they used to do Fort Boyard on the telly, and that was, that was the same sort of thing. That was one of these forts as well. And there was another one that came up for sale, and they wanted to turn it into a boutique hotel. And I thought, how lovely! And then I thought, it's a bit isolated. But the, you know, they've got everything on them. It's just that you're lashed. I mean, I wouldn't want to come out one day and be sort of. You'd have to go around with a rope round your waist in case you were being lashed by the gales out in the sea. But, it, but for half a million pounds, it's it's a bit of a bit of a mishmash. You have to. And it looks like it's a wooden structure, part of it, which I suppose it would be from 1855. I'd be slightly perturbed about a wooden structure, but interesting nevertheless. If you're thinking of a place to get away from it all, and you've got a spare million pounds to do it up. Because then, bearing in mind, everything you take out there, you've got to take out by boat. So 45, 50 minutes, you've got everything. Your furniture's got to go out by boat. You imagine? Imagine phoning up Argos and they say, and the is to where? And you go, it's, this, it's a fort, grain tower battery. And they go, OK, the driver's got it on sat-nav. He can't quite get to it. Why? It's in the middle of the blooming water, isn't it? It's in the Thames estuary. How are we going to get out there? Well, it's not my problem. You said it was free delivery. I'm with Amazon Prime. 84850, steve, at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. That's uh, David N Barnett. Yeah, I I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. Uh, Mainly because I don't want to talk about it, because I think we have to wait and see what what happens. OK, there are stories on the the front pages of all the papers. Nick Ferrari is going to ask that question this morning. How come the media were told before Cliff Richard was told? He didn't know about it until he was told by the media. So, of course, they then have to, to prepare a statement. So that, that's why. And they will talk about that this morning with Nick Ferrari. Uh, also, the um, the A-levels, they managed to find all the attractive people, don't they, to jump up and down. They go, can you all jump together? And then we'll go, yeah, fantastic. And uh, some people did very, very well, and some people didn't do very, very well. So, bringing back Sunday night at the London Playdean with Rob Bryden and Jack Whitehall. Jack Whitehall, who is so unfunny. Last series, I can't remember whether it rated or not. Certainly didn't in my house. Uh, Rob Brydon is good. And uh, it's the latest vintage format to come back, a bit like Celebrity Squares and uh, Catchphrase. It was a huge hit. It used to pull in 20 million viewers, Bruce Forsyth, Bob Monkhouse, Jimmy Tarbuck, Des O'Connor among the uh, hosts. Big name guests included Judy Garland, The Rolling Stones. Uh, it was It was great. It was great. The six-part series will again be based at the famous London Palladium. We'll have a bit it's called Sunday Night at the London Palladium. Where else are they going to have it? <laughs> Other hosts include Jimmy Carr and Bradley Walsh. Music from Neil Diamond, Art Garfunkel, Brian Adams, Maroon 5, The Script, Little Minx, Mix, Nicole Scherzinger. Comedy will come from Alan Davis, Sarah Millican and Milton Jones. Wow. And a glimpse of the new musical Made in Dagenham starring the actress Gemma Arterton has also been lined up. Not even on anymore, is it? It's an odd one. But uh, it'll be interesting. Interesting. Oh, and here's a picture of little old um, Sam Fahirs going off to launch her perfume somewhere in her Ann Summers lingerie range. It's so going to come crashing down shortly, that, isn't it? You just know that all of these people, you know, 23 years old, and it's just going to be an absolute disaster. And Big Brother, I wasn't even aware it was still going on. I think the only people watching it now are a few pigeons who look in through the, the window occasionally and go, is this worth watching? No, it isn't. Trader says, I got four numbers on Wednesday, two away from a nice win, as you said. Picked up £15. Pounds. £15. Pounds. It's pathetic. It's hardly worth bothering. Actually, is it really? <laughs> uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, steve at lbc dot um, Bob Kaldoff has no claim to anything. He took all the real. He took all the glory, but the real work was done by Midgeur. Yes, I mean I'm, I'm well aware of what Midgeur did when it came to Live Aid. I've spoken to Midge about that in the past, and uh, it was Bob though who got the coverage, didn't he? On the television, he swore. Send us your Money, and, uh, and that was it. And of course, you know, it was fantastic at the time. It raised a, oh, a huge amount of money. You know, people went to the concert. The concert was fantastically successful. It was all it was all absolutely brilliant. The problem was didn't solve the problem. Years later, problem still there. Why? Corruption corruption. And, you know, wherever you send money abroad, there's people willing to take it. There are people willing to, uh, to thieve and to pretend that it's going to this and pretend it's going to that, and it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. Um, what else we got here? Oh, uh, Robin Williams in all the papers today, because it's been revealed that he was uh, having a secret battle with Parkinson, which makes it even worse, doesn't it? It makes it even worse that the poor man was fighting his own demons... And uh, on top of that, he was fighting the fact that one of his programmes had just been canned, didn't uh, didn't make it onto television. And if you're a committed person, which he is, then you would expect, really, that they would run with it. I think he's got four things in the pipeline. There was going to be a Mrs Doubtfire, too. How are they were going to do that? The kids must be fairly ancient by now. And here's Nicky Rigby, exhausted and losing weight, uh, which she put down to giving birth five months earlier. Tragically, no idea it's a sign of undiagnosed diabetes, which cost her her life at the age of 26. She was found unconscious at home by her fiancé. At the inquest later, they heard the mother of one had suffered from type 1 diabetes, which had led to her esoph- er, esophagus gradually deteriorating. I mean, it's, you know, apparently her fiancé sa- fiance said when he took her to the doctors, she was simply prescribed iron tablets. I mean, it's, it's, the coroner concluded she died of this, uh, of this uh, strain of diabetes which can occur when people with diabetes don't get the insulin they need because I'm, I'm insulin dependent and tablet as well. So she wasn't getting anything at all. And I know that if I, don't, if I forget to take my diabetes at night, uh, my, uh, my insulin at night, I can't sleep. You know, you, sometimes you forget and you, you wake up and you think, oh, I just feel awful. In fact, there's been a couple of occasions where I've thought, oh, my god, father's!" I feel like I'm on my last legs. But then you go and have your insulin, and, you, you know, for about five, ten minutes, you feel a little bit better about life. But uh, tragically, she didn't go, and the doctor didn't, um, didn't notice it either. So they just gave her iron tablets. Fat lot of bloomin' use that was. Pillar of the Sikh community, we've never even heard of him. Just one of the stories we'll be dealing with in the next part of Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. <laughs> Until till 6.30 this morning when Lisa Aziz comes along with the morning news. Uh, the allegations against Cliff Richard making the front pages of all the papers. Uh, the wife of Andrew Sachs condemns the BBC for bringing Jonathan Ross back to the radio. The Asian elders who say pillar of the sea community. We've never heard of this bloke. Who is he? Uh, the Lib Dems who say make cannabis legal for those in pain. Uh, Fifi Geldof, as I say, has uh, revealed she suffers from depression. And a new survey says you don't trust the train firms. There's certain things about them that you don't like. And Sainsbury's been that orange thing, go black. That's what they say in Frinton, but they don't like anything in Frinton, do they? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, pretty Nice to be company. It's Friday morning. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The Tory party donor who was made a peer because he's a leading figure among the Sikhs. And the Sikh community have said, we've never even heard of him. Who is he? He turns out to be a jewellery tycoon, dubbed the King of Bling. Well, I've never even heard of him either. And he was elevated to the House of Lords by David Cameron, but he did give the Conservatives £310,000. Tory chiefs have dismissed cries of cash for peerages by saying he's a pillar of the Sikh community, and the Sikh community have gone rubbish. Never even heard of him. And uh, we had another one, didn't we? There was another Sikh as well, who turned up on a boat with Prince Philip, and people were saying, who is he? And they went, no idea. All of that and more between now and 630 and the uh, and the weather as, uh, as well. All these celebrity diets make me sick. Why does it have to be so complicated? I've cut down my meal sizes and used my cheap cross-trainer, and I've lost over a stone in four weeks. You're supposed to lose, um, is it, two pounds a week, I think. Two pounds a week is what you're supposed to lose on a diet. Any more than that, and that's called crash dieting, and that's not very good for you, and diets don't work. Okay, I've never heard of anybody who's actually taken weight off least of all these NAF celebrities, and then uh, and they've kept it off. They haven't. Look at Natalie Cassidy. You know, piled it all back on again. Uh, the Argos free free delivery, Steve, very funny. Yes, I quite like the idea of sort of ordering from Argos and it's being delivered to a fort, sea. and you begin to wonder how they're going to get it there. Do you remember that poor man the other day? He had a delivery from Hermes or something, and the bloke threw the parcel up on his roof and said, it's on your roof, sorry. And so he made a big thing. Well, he didn't make such a big thing about it, but he put it on Twitter, I think, and the company contacted him and made the driver go back round there again. I thought that, well, that was quite a good idea. Quite a good idea. Uh, the five-day Gaza truce appears to be holding. Please, God, it holds on for a little bit longer. And the wife of Andrew Sachs has condemned the BBC for bringing Jonathan Ross back to the, uh, the radio for the first time since the Saxgate scandal. Melody Sachs, it was a slap-in-the-face to give the disgraced presenter a job on the same station in which he insulted her husband six years ago. Uh, He's been hired to cover an afternoon music and chat chat show. He will be paid an estimated £4,000 to host four three-hour programmes. Four pro... So he's getting about £1,000 a programme. And uh, Mrs Saxo, 79, says it's highly inappropriate and I think it's disgusting. This was after, with uh, with Russell Brand, he left a series of obscene messages. I mean, it was just, you know, neither funny nor interesting. And uh, it took Jonathan Ross off the radio... And he was suspended for 12 weeks. Uh, the BBC was fined 150000 by Ofcom. Uh, he said he feels immense regret. The Sachs family have said, we're not interested in your regret. Thank you very much indeed. I mean, what I find even worse is that Mrs Sachs has had to come out and say this. She's 79. She's 79. She said it caused her so much distress. And she says, I'm surprised the BBC have welcomed him back. It's like a slap in the face for us, especially after Andrew spent so much of his working life with the BBC, writing, acting and directing. It's very sad and thoughtless and disrespectful. And she's not wrong. She's 79. She shouldn't have to come out and say these things. A BBC spokesman said, Jonathan is an experienced and talented broadcaster who is returning for this one-off stint of holiday cover. There are no plans to bring him back permanently. Well, why have they brought him back at all? I mean, that's what I don't understand. A BBC spokesman said, Jonathan uh, was never fired from the BBC and said he chose to leave after the corporation decided not to renew his contract. That's called, that's called dropping him, isn't it? Well, he wasn't fired, but they didn't renew the contract, so he chose to leave. Well, there wasn't any work there. So now they brought it. Perhaps they think this is. Perhaps they thought that Andrew Sachs had died or something. Perhaps they thought that was okay to just sort of leave him and his wife sitting there because after this obscenity. I mean, it's. You know, Andrew Sachs. You know, these people shouldn't have to put up with this kind of thing. Absolutely not. I mean, he said he feels immense regret. He claimed um, the, the Sachs family have just said he used this to further his career. Mrs. Sacks said, "I'm very surprised that he's been welcomed back, and uh, they probably feel quite slighted, I should imagine." Really is. Uh, pansies are an edible flower. No, no, not these ones. No, not winter flowering pansies. Absolutely, don't uh, don't ever touch anything like that. Goodness sake, they're sprayed with all sorts of things nowadays. So uh, no, they're not. They're, no, they're not pretty in salads. No, you're thinking of something else. They put other things in in salads. It's not pansies, is it? I don't think. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Jason from Ashford. Somebody else who got four numbers on Wednesday. Why is everybody winning the lottery and I'm not winning it? Why is that not happening? I want to to win the lottery, please. (laughs) Oh, dear. And then revealed the UK pilots, after we found one the other day whose arm fell off, as he was piloting, as opposed to giving over the plane to his co-pilot, who must have been really welcoming the opportunity to fly the blooming thing, uh, he said, no, it's all right, I'll, I'll bring it down with one arm. So he did. And then I, I did ask the question at the time, little realising there was actually an answer to be had, on how many other UK pilots were flying around with, uh, with false limbs. Four, apparently. There are four UK pilots with false arms flying airlines. And I watched a thing... Oh, you might have to help me out in this, because I can't remember this woman's name. But I was watching The Housewives of... Are they New York City? Anyway, there's the one... Is it... It's not Rowena, is it, who's got the bug eyes? Who's the woman with the bug eyes in this American programme? Anyway, she's got... Oh, I can't remember her name now. And it's it's either the Housewives of New York City or the Housewives of something. Um, it's not Orange County, I'm pretty certain. Is it Jersey? Or is it New... I don't know. I can't remember which one it is. But whichever one it is, she's got these, these bug eyes. She looks a bit peculiar. She's not a very nice person. She really isn't. The Real Housewives. Let's see who they are: Cindy, Carol, Kelly, Luann's a bit strange. Bethany, Alex, McCord. Ramona. Can you put me up a picture of Ramona? F- find, Ram- I think it's Ramona. I'm pretty certain it's Ramona Singer, isn't it, or something like that? And uh, she's uh, she's really. if oh, you get a bigger picture of her? That's her. She's mad as a brush. She's mad. I mean, she is so vile. The other day, she showed the most amazing and staggering piece of ignorance that I'd ever seen on a television programme in my life. And I've seen some rubbish. This Ramona woman is on there. One of the women who they brought into the programme has a prosthetic leg. OK, but it's made out of silicon. You know, God are the days when they didn't look so good. This woman can dance, she can do everything. It's got painted toenails, it's got veins painted. It's, I mean, it's, it looks stunning. This Ramona, they go out, and because she's basically a bit thick and nobody likes her, she's with this woman in the shop and this woman is buying things. And she just goes, can you can you take it off? Can you show me how it comes off? And she's touching it. And because she's she's not all there in the brain department, it's it's a case of she keeps... And she said, Can I touch it? Can I touch it? And so so she sort of touches it. She oh, and you've got two of them. And she's almost like some it's almost, it became a perversion. It really became a perversion. It's you know, it was really quite staggering to watch the ignorance of this woman. Who nobody wanted to go with, so they arrest them. Go away on a on a weekend break to London. I think they come to London and they go shopping in Notting Hill. But of course, for the Americans, it's quite expensive to shop in Notting Hill. And they went into a bit of you know these sort of naff gifty type shops with clothes, and they looked at the price of boots. They went, don't think so, and so they didn't buy anything. And so poor old Ramona is stuck. Back over there with the woman with the with the prosthetic leg, and she's still going on about it, you know. Can't you, and you've got two of them, and they ha- and she goes, "Oh my God, I it looks so real." I thought, "Where have you been in your life? Have you been sort of stuck in a cocoon or in the ground or something?" Nasturtians are the flowers that you put in salads, not pansies. It's nasturtians, edible nasturtians, and they're the ones that look pretty. You don't put pansies in there, okay because they spray them with pesticides so uh, so definitely not and it's the Housewives of New York so it's Ramona you have to if you can catch up on it they have all these guards she's the worst one her and the one in Orange County there's quite a number in Orange County who are vile I mean they really are horrible they're, they're horrible children horrible everything they, they, they're what I call the trailer trash of America and there's so much over there there's so many of these programmes but I find them terribly addictive I can't, I can't get enough of them I'm still slightly worried about four UK pilots with false arms, of flying airliners. I'm led to believe that these things can take off and land by themselves, but um, it's a bit strange. There's a leading uh, British Muslim in the paper today, Dr Taj Hage, who's director of the Muslim Education Centre of Oxford and imam of the Oxford Islamic Congregation, and he wants to know why British Muslims are not condemning the maniacs killing in the name of Islam. Well, it's a very sensible piece that he's written. And he's, he said what we're, unfortunately, witnessing again today, mainstream Muslims in Britain yet to come out against the toxic forces of militant jihadism. Are they frightened? Perhaps they're too frightened. It's like people coming out saying, they had a thing the other day, what was it? Oh, that's right, they do it. it was a police chase. And it was somebody who'd stolen a caravan. Well, I dread to even mention what sort of community would want to steal a caravan, ladies and gentlemen, but over 30,000 caravans a year are stolen. And it's generally by uh, people passing by. They see the caravan on a drive and they come back, hook it up, and they drive off with it. And, uh, as I say, what they do with them, I can only hazard a guess. Only hazard a guess. And they had somebody who was, who'd was who stolen one. And um, and they, they had to put the stingers out, which they throw across the road. Sometimes people can avoid them, sometimes they can't. In this case, he came to a halt and off he went to prison for 21 months. That will be my big fat gypsy wedding. And they seem to have finished that programme, don't they, now? We don't seem to have had any... I think because people realise what a bunch of rubbish it was. Not so good at all. Not so good. Um, This is the the knife in the paper today. And uh, it's... wait a minute. It's called the Butter Up. It's got three inventors for a butter knife. Uh, Sasha, Norman and Craig. And what it does, it turns the butter into small ribbon shapes, which creates more surface area that becomes easier to spread. And it works best on butter that's been kept in the fridge because we found it doesn't curve as easily when it's at room temperature. It's got 21 triangular holes along the blade, so it grates the butter into thin strips. It's going to sell. It's not even on the shelves yet. It's going to sell for about six quid. I want one. But I mean, how many times? You must just buy the soft butter now. You don't need to buy anything like that. But I'm just fascinated by by the fact that somebody's invented this all these years later. I still can't go over the invention of the hot water bottle. You know, somebody actually came up with the idea of a rubber thing that you take... The, I mean, you used to love it as a kid. You fill it up with hot water, then you put the lid on, but you're holding it so you're pushing the air out. So then, and then you put it in your bed. Mine would last all night. I used to love a hot water bottle. like a hot water bottle? They're great. People sent me in covers for my hot water bottle. That was even nicer. Knitted covers for a hot water bottle. What a treat. Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Friday morning in London town. And it's Friday morning where you are as well, unless you're listening around the world. I love the... You know when you go on holiday... And if you work in a big office, you're probably are one of those people who's addicted to checking your work emails. Well, here comes uh, a firm today. It's uh, a Stuttgart-based uh, company uh, who are giving their staff members the option of having their inboxes cleared whilst they're away, removing any temptation to check it. So, in other words, they delete all their work emails. So, if you're away on holiday, you don't have to read them. You you go away, you have a nice, relaxing... Of course, that would make me feel worse. You'd be checking there going, I haven't got any emails where's the emails gone to you'd have to go and check your emails because some people do that i mean i love the idea that you can go abroad and you can check your work emails i'm still so fascinated by the fact i can check them from home i check my emails all the time you're always there just to see you know to check if uh, an interview's come in or there's a new recording time we have a recording this morning actually for in conversation tamsin althwaite she's been very vocal in the papers over the past uh, week or so uh, she's got new tricks coming up she's also uh, going live on stage as well And I think this is Breeders. And I think she's doing it with Angela Griffin as well. So we'll have a chat to her about that. So, new role in the West End, return of new tricks. And uh, also, she's a mum of two. And it was very interesting. She made the paper. She was talking about the Disney characters, how all the women are very slim. And there's a lot of pressure on people nowadays to be slim. So I bet you anything, she's going to look sylph-like compared to me. Absolutely sylph-like. I can just tell. When these people come in, I always look at them and go, oh, it's just so unfair. So unfair. Uh, 84850. Jason from Ashford. Yes, you're quite right, actually. <laughs> it's amazing how you can weave things in, isn't it? It's it's called experience. <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I know they were... Olly Mamma talked about coffee, wasn't he, earlier on? And uh, then somebody uh, talked about... Poundland Coffee. Was it Pound Shop Coffee? Waitrose, you, you get it free in the morning, I think. They offer free coffee for some... I can't remember what it, and you just take it to the till. There was a queue the other day for it. Not in a coffee shop, but it's by their their cake shop bit. You've heard of that before, have you? Oh, right. Is it, it's all just free, is it? And you just... Oh, you sign up to a card? Oh, right. Of course, you know about that, don't you? If it, if it involves signing up to a card and it's free, the producer's there straight away. I'm not saying he's tight, but to put it this way, he walks down this corridor. You can hear the squeaking miles away. It's terrible.
2: <coughs>
1: I like the idea because I'm a, I'm a, I, I go for elitist things. And here is people calling the Orange or T-Mobile helplines. If you pay 50p, you can jump to the front of the queue. <laughs> and They're all jumping on their bandwagon and say, this is absolutely disgraceful. And they say it could create a two-tier system that discriminates against the less wealthy. Well, it's tough, isn't it? I think if you can afford to run a phone, it's your own problem. You know, 50p is nothing at all. And so callers who ring in with a complaint will be asked if they want to pay 50p to be fast-tracked, and that will help pay for investment in the stores and call centres. But Rob Kerr of uh, USwitch.com said that non-priority users could be left hanging on for longer than usual. Well, make them pay 50p then. You can do it in Disney. You go to Disney, you get you pay a bit extra, you can be fast tracked. Why would you want to queue with everybody else if you can afford to go to Disney? If you can afford to rug a phone nowadays, where well, the average bill has got to be about thirty quid a month, isn't it? Average thirty to forty pound. Well, then it's it's fifty p. Well worth it. If you, if you can't afford the fifty p, you shouldn't be having a phone in the first place. You really shouldn't. Uh, other stories. Oh, they were talking about the rain. Ten days rain in two hours, and they've got. Uh, the rain at a show jumping event at Horse Guards Parade in London the other day, and uh, this, I mean the lifeboat crew from Redcar near Middlesbrough rescued two cars which were swamped by fierce waves. You don't expect them to have to go out, do you, and actually start uh, start rescuing cars? Although the uh, the areas that flood nowadays, whew, Paddy said Douglas Bader flew with uh, with false legs. Yes, but he w- he wasn't taking a whole load of people with him. Was he? I'm just more more worried about pilots who are taking you know, a hold? Th- Mind you, I don't suppose it makes any difference. As I say, most of these planes can fly themselves nowadays, so whether or not the pilot is blind or whether he's got two legs, one arm, or two arms and two legs, or one leg and one arm, it doesn't make any difference because this thing can land itself. The pilot is just there to sort of guide it in, I suppose. I'm watching another programme, where I will be, when it comes on the television, and I think it's the world's most dangerous pilots... And it's pilots who have to land on the top of mountains and stuff like that. And at little tiny, little tiny runways. I'm looking at another picture of this fort in the Thames estuary. It's on big wooden, I mean, some of it's brick. I do like it. I do like it. But inside, it's just all breeze blocks. And it's going it, to, you need to spend about a million pounds to make it habitable. I still like it, though. You, you, you can walk for half a mile across the mud at low tide, and obviously some people have, and they've sort of written graffiti inside and stuff like that. But you could make it look quite nice, if you like that kind of seclusion. <laughs> Actually, well, they used to have radio stations. In fact, we'll talk about that with Tony Blackburn next week. Oh, we've got clips coming up as well from this week's In Conversation, so we'll, we'll do that for you. There's also the, the first Quo gig without Rick Parfitt since joining the band in 1967. He's been told to rest... And uh, due to return to the lineup tonight, following an operation to correct a problem with his uh, quadruple heart bypass. God, honestly. <coughs> still playing in a group, and he's had a quadruple bypass. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. So we wish him the, uh, the very best. Uh, I still can't find anything on the story of uh, Prince Harry with a new girlfriend. But I'm, I'm assuming he has got a new girlfriend. He seems, I mean, he's been single for quite a while. And uh, then it's amazing. After we said, "What is he doing? Is he in the? Is he in the forces? Is he not in the forces?" And uh, and they said, "Oh, he's definitely going back into it." Uh, lots of patrol boats, a fleet of them, has been put on standby. This is for the border force to intercept migrants trying to reach Britain from Calais in small boats, because that's what the latest thing they're doing. So many people living in tents will now try and cross the Channel in boats. And in the past, officers have boarded more than 2,000 vessels. There's people who pay a fortune, won't they, just to, just to get to this country. Because once you're here, the benefits are absolutely huge. It's like people... There's another story about working today. And I don't know whether or not you're one of those people who thinks, I'll work for a certain amount of time and then I'll retire. Now, they say, two-thirds of you, two-thirds of you, are working on after the retirement date. Now I don't know whether or not it's because, as we reported on LBC about pff, six months ago, People aren't saving enough or whether or not people just don't want to sit at home and twiddle their thumbs people enjoy working and especially if you're a senior citizen an oldie you know why would you want to sit at home twiddling your thumbs staring out the window waiting for you know the inevitable to happen when you can go back to work get far more value out of you know older people because they they appreciate the job more and they can have a bit of fun and a lot why would you want to sit down there four million workers are now signed up to a pension as part of the government's automatic workplace enrolment scheme. Eventually, 10 million people will be included. But these part-time pensioners who are working typically work only a 24-hour week. 49% say they carry on for the money. 51% they work because they enjoy it. Because that's the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, I think if you, if, you, if you love your job, why would you want to retire? If you really enjoy something and then your workforce said, oh, I'm sorry, you have to, you have to stop working now, you go, but I really like it. Chris Roycroft Davis the social commentator Do you remember i told you the story yesterday of the uh, the uh, man the other day who had been accused of thieving and he climbs up a tree and for 17 hours 17 hours we had total disruption on the railways and chris roycroft davis repeats exactly what i said yesterday why didn't they just cut the tree down the only reason that he gave up is because he wanted to go to the toilet I'd have had him down so far. I'm, I'm sick to death of health and safety. Who cares? He's a prolific burglar. His family turned up, so he's quite clearly one of those sort of people. And um, this, this, this tied up 20 transport police and paramedics for 17 hours while scaffolding was erected. And then there was a hydraulic uh, panel, a, a thing that went up with police negotiators on it. I'd have cut the tree down immediately. Give me the chainsaw. Give it here. But he might fall and damage himself. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. Break a leg, as far as I'm concerned. Let him fall down. I think we've gone absolutely mad. And, in fact, at one point, he was shown how to do stretching exercises so he wouldn't get cramp. A bit (laughs) of a tea leaf. Cut the thing down. Although, perhaps perhaps we're sort of protecting the tree. I don't know why we bother with these people. The man's quite clearly a complete and utter waste of time. I think he was led away saying, I do love England. Yeah, he wasted everybody's time, mate. I hope they lock him up. Of course, it'll be something stupid like suspended sentence, won't it? I and mean, there was another one here. When a man had a fit and collapsed in a three-foot-deep boating lake in Gosport in Hampshire, three feet deep, OK, the first fire crew on the scene refused to rescue him because they only had level one training for ankle-deep water, they had to wait for a water support unit to turn up. What a drippy country we're in! The man floated face down for 37 minutes before he was pulled out. In that time, a copper volunteered to wade in, but the fireman refused to lend him a life vest. So it didn't actually matter the man was dying. The jobsworth had to make sure no-one was in breach of the Personal Protective Equipment at Work Regulations Act 1992. I mean, can't we just throw all these out? I mean, you know, for 17 hours, this, this buffoon up a tree, you know, was sitting... Oh, the chainsaw immediately. Or felling that, I'd have said, all right, blokes... Let's just go and drag him down there. So he falls down, who cares? So he falls But, of course, then the thing is, he'll have found a lawyer who will sue them. As far as I'm concerned, leave him up there. If he falls onto the railway track, more fool him. I couldn't care less. I'm so so bored with these people here. And so Chris Roycroft-Davis echoing what we said yesterday on LBC. Because if we do nothing else, we tell the truth. It's uh, 5.30. Larry Lamb, this coming Sunday. Did I mention I'm on on Sunday? Yep, I am. On Sunday morning, uh, pre-recorded for In Conversation between five and six, and between six and eight we go through the Sunday papers. I've got a sneaking feeling what's going to be all over the Sunday papers this week. Two great guests for this weekend's In Conversation. One who has been in on a number of times, and another one I've never met before. But I'm well aware of him. The first guest, great British actor. He starred in Buffy, Little Britain, and various fantastic films. It's Anthony Head. He came in to talk about The Unbeatables, a film about football, not exactly my forte. But I did note that the film is animated, which did interest me. So I asked him about it.
2: When you get, I mean, Rupert um, plays um, Emedio. I think his name is. But it's <laughs> the young guy who's the centre yes. of the centre of the story, yeah. and he's, I mean, he's he's so sympathetic. He's got he's got a wonderful. You, you really completely buy into him, um, and he. As far as I'm concerned, he carries the film because it's it's a it's a it's a beautifully penned character. Yes. And uh, you don't actually have to know anything about football. I mean, football's what drives it. But ultimately, well, actually, table football is what drives it because because yeah. he beats me. He beats Young Flash um, to uh, to a game of, of table football, and so Young Flash grows up to be a monster um, with the sole intent, it seems, of, of destroying Emadia. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a great ride, and it's um, somebody said that it was close to. Um, in terms of what's it like, um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, because it is that, so that completely off-the-wall humour.
1: Certainly is. More from Anthony Head and uh, that film and lots of other things beside. Um, We're talking about Robin Williams, too, and that's this coming Sunday. My second guest is comedian Kevin Bishop. I first saw him in Pie in the Sky... And uh, he was, and he he was also in Grange Hill. He's had his own show on the television. He's had such a, a varied and successful career so far, and he's currently going to be doing the Many a Chocolate Factory. He plays forty characters. Forty <laughs> itself, it sounds a bit daunting. So I wanted to know how the success started.
3: I was, as most people know, a child actor. Yeah. So I think it's one of the uh, things that you are automatically drafted into as a child star is you have to do ballet, tap, modern as well as your acting and singing. Yes.
1: So the very first thing you did would have been at Sadler's Wells. You would have been Mm. one of those kids who did The Sound of Music.
3: Well, actually, The Sound of Music was the very first audition I ever had. And uh, about uh, two days before, I went into Sylvia Young uh, drama school uh, with my mother. And she said, can you sing? And I said, well, well, I can. Uh, She said, well, sing for me. And I said, well, I, I don't have anything prepared. But sing Happy Birthday. I said happy birthday. She went, "You're in. You've got an audition tomorrow," and that was it. So, uh, and that was uh, that was the sound of music. It was an open audition. Yeah, there was thousands of children there, and uh, and I was lucky enough to get get the role. And that was it. I was I was smitten. You were hooked. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. W- were you one of the kids then? Were you I, one was, of I was. Because they must have
1: used uh, a rotation of children, didn't they?
3: Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, Fräulein Maria, uh, as a lot of people may think. No, no it was you probably Kurt. wanted to be. I don't know. I tried. tried I tried. Was she <laughs> <just,
1: laughs> was. not tall enough. enough. <laughs> just never fits, does it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you were Kurt. Yes, I was. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, it was a great cast. It was um, Liz Robertson, Chris Casanova. Oh wow. Uh, Robin Nedwell. Um, Good. God, from the yeah, Doctor yeah, series. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, lovely, lovely cast.
1: Lovely man, Kevin Bishop. And he's talking about this, uh, it's a new piece of theatre at the Menier Chocolate Factory. When you see him, you'll know exactly who he is, so so just Google Kevin Bishop. He's very young, lives in Brighton, married, two children, I think. And the only reason he lives in Brighton is because he can't stand London. <laughs> it's too busy. I think he likes the uh, the quieter life. Down there, really nice guy, and he was on his way to rehearsals when we grabbed him for in conversation. So he's playing forty characters. It's all about trying to get into showbiz restaurants, like the Chilton Firehouse, like going into Joe Allen's or going into the Ivy. There are certain restaurants that have been there, well, the Ivy and Joe Allen's certainly for many, many, many years, and they have their regular customers. And they go there. Then they have a new one, like the Chilton Firehouse, and they get the loads of coverage. If they're still there in ten years' time, well, then fair enough. By that time, of course, the celebrities might have deserted and gone elsewhere. So it's all about that. It's about phoning up and trying to get yourself a table. So very good. So Anthony Head and Kevin Bishop for In Conversation this week. That's between five and six on Sunday morning. Then I'm live between six and eight as we annihilate the Sunday papers and we go through them. We bring you all the stories worth repeating, the legal and decent ones. And, uh, and we have a good old pop at some celebrities, because we enjoy- it changes on a daily basis. Have you noticed, there is barely a day goes by where you don't have celebrities either on the front pages or inside papers. I mean, news nowadays regarding celebrity is just enormous. It just overshadows everything else. Absolutely. I'll tell you something that overshadows is the Sainsbury's sign. It's bright orange. It's too bright. Way too bright for the good people of Frinton on sea. Uh, they're a bit funny in Frinton. I think a while ago they blocked a Chinese takeaway... An efficient chip shop. They, they don't want those sort of things there. They want to preserve it. And they've said they've said to Sainsbury's, I'm sorry, we're not having an orange sign on the high street. You can have a black one instead. And black and gold. Because that was what it was originally, Sainsbury's. It was black and gold. They said, you can go back to that. Because the uh, the council there, Frinton and Walton Town Council's Zero Tolerance Shopfront Design Guide, they want to make sure that they maintain something something nice... They don't want to have garish signs all over the place. I think that they did exactly the same in um, in Vienna. McDonald's there, just off the Kettnerstraße, which is their their sort of equivalent of uh, Bond Street. It's very posh. All the all the shops have been there for years. You know the jewellery shops and the plates and everything else. But McDonald's there, they didn't like the McDonald's sign. They said you're not putting that up. So they've got a little black M which just pokes it. Everybody knows where it is, but that's, that's they, they wouldn't have it. And in exactly the same in Frinton, you know, where they have had all, all sorts of things, all sorts of things. It's Frinton-on-Sea, we don't want it ruined. Uh, Brian Johnston, who lives in the town that doesn't like change, as internet jokers have described it, said it's Frinton-on-Sea, we don't want it ruined. And the the mayor, Irish Johnson, says the shop front is extremely important to us. In the not-too-distant past, some people have got away with doing things we would not like repeated. Oh, I like the sound of that. I like old-fashioned. I like old-fashioned. I think Frinton could be the place to me. I think Chris Lowry lives near Frinton. I think he's been there. I'm sure he's been to Frinton. There was something There was something about it that I remember thinking, how lovely, Frinton. They look nice, don't they? Crocuses are everywhere, aren't they, at the moment? People are sort of getting ready to plant stuff out, because now that we... I'm assuming, now that the uh, the summer... Plant has actually gone. Oh, look at this. You know, I thought about Sue Pollard the other day. I always remember going to a party some years ago with Sue Pollard and I had to leave before her. And uh, she's constantly flashing her boobs. Constantly flashing her boobs. And she's very loud. She she was very loud in all the things she's ever been in, but in real life she's even louder. I remember seeing her standing outside a theatre on the Strand and whistling for a taxi. And she whistles loudly. And she was dressed in this multicolour outfit... I mean, I've I've never... tights that were all multicoloured. She had this sort of little bolero jacket on, which was all bright pink mohair. I mean, you you couldn't have missed her in a million years. Uh, She's touring, or she has been touring, in New Zealand in a production of Annie because she's she's got a great singing voice. She played Miss Hannigan. You can imagine what she's like. How old is Sue Pollard now? 64. She's 64. You just don't... I mean, I suppose you know her for playing Peggy, the chalet maid... In Heidi High, because the last one of the series, she actually became a yellow coat, I think, which which was her her big dream. And uh, she was very good. A lot of pathos in that. And so they've asked her things which she can't live without. Tomatoes. She cannot live without tomatoes. She said, I'm crazy about them. I have them with every single meal. Whether it's roasted tomatoes on toast, tomato flan or homemade tomato soup, I never seem to tire of it. Having a quiet evening in front of the telly, I will often devour a whole punnet of cherry tomatoes on the vine. (laughs) She likes face cream as well. She can't live without face cream. Uh, on occasion she said I've literally crawled to the bathroom to remove my makeup, but I've never let a wild night out or anything else for that matter interfere with my skincare regime. And th- where, where's her favourite place? Her mum lives in a little village just outside of Skegness. Skeggy to those initiated people. She said there's something alluring about it in the Embassy Theatre, one of my favourite theatres of all time. Bucklins opened their first holiday camp at Skeggy in 1936 and it's still there today with the pier, the nightlife and the beach the town has fun written all over it and uh, she's uh, going around theatres until November 17th uh, with Cannon and Ball in Ha Ha Hood and the Prince of Leaves and that runs uh, all around the UK they- they've got a website, hahahood.com for details, mm-hmm. so she's touring with Cannon and Ball so, uh, Sue Pollard, 64, uh, she- she- I don't think she's changed at all I really don't think she's... she's she, in fact, if anything, she probably gets louder. But I, I did watch Heidi Hire the other day, and I did watch her very last uh, appearances in it, because she's the one after. They all disappear off, and they all go, see you, see you, the camp's closing down, and she's left there... And it's very point It makes me go, goosebumpy. Oh, goose bumpy, even talking about it, because it was so good. Uh, Glenn uh, says, we're off to our annual pilgrimage to Covent Garden tomorrow, then a walk to Chinatown for a lovely meal. You should try it one day. It's a great day out. I've eaten Chinese before, you know, surprisingly. I haven't reached this age of 39 without eating Chinese. Les says, McDonald's in the centre of Milan has the black sign up. Yeah. Uh, Joyce says... Uh, Steve, going to Brighton today with my club. Is it going to be nice? No, dreadful weather. Dreadful weather today. Monsoons, everything. We never got the hailstones yesterday, did we? No hailstones at all. I was, I was expecting uh, some hail. So I, I did look out the window. Unfortunately, yesterday I was celebrating something. I can't remember what it was I was celebrating. I think managing to find the Prosecco. And, uh, and obviously, because I hadn't had anything to eat. I didn't eat till much later. And I didn't know what to have to eat yesterday. So I bought myself uh, a chicken curry pie from the farm shop. We have a farm shop and they make them on the farm. And so I had this chicken curry and the whole thing with a bit of mashed potato and I felt a bit guilty because it, it hangs heavy in the tummy but it was quite delicious. So to die, to die, oh dear, honestly, my grandma's gone dreadful. Well, she died some years ago. But anyway, so we, uh, the old ones are the best and God knows they don't get any older. And so this evening, because there's a few of us going out for, for dinner, about five of us, I don't know what to ha- I'm thinking about being healthy. Now Sue Pollard's spoken about tomatoes I might try and find it. A... I've never had a tomato flan. I suppose it wouldn't be that that difficult to make, would it? You must better make a tomato flan. We go back onto the other papers. I didn't. Um, I didn't do the the Metro earlier on, and uh, they've got Colin Murray on the front page. Uh, always trouble at the top this season. I remember Colin Murray when he did a programme on the television. It was one of those early morning things. It didn't work at all, actually. And uh, who's now a model? Baby North. This is Kim Kardashian's uh, baby and uh, that's, that's there as well. And the chat show, which is coming back, this is Mel Gidroich and Sue Perkins. It'll be on ITV every weekday, where they'll chat with the nation's best-loved celebrities and quirkiest real-life characters. Well, we've already got that. We had that with Alan Titchmarsh. There's nothing... Do we really need... Can't they come up with anything apart from another chat show? Can't they come up with anything? Obviously not. I suppose it's a bit difficult to try and come up with a... Forward. Why can't they just show old films? It must be cheaper than putting on a chat show. You have to do that. I'm not uh, not a big big fan of, of chat shows. I mean, I do one, and I, I quite like them, but I'm not, I'm not particularly bothered about seeing yet another one on the television. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, also, the papers today... I love reading the Metro because I have these things where they match people up. You know, saw you on the train, you blonde, blue-eyed, me standing there, cup of Costa coffee, and apparently you're supposed to meet somebody. So people go for that. It's this these sort of chance meetings on the train. I don't want to catch anybody's eye on the train. Thank you. They all look a bit peculiar. And there's, uh, let's see if we can find one today. See, because they, they do. There we go. Look at this one here. This is. <laughs> I like these. They just make me laugh. To the bottled redhead. With the fringe in the biker jacket on the Hyde to Manchester train. Fancy going for a cider or two in the pub. So I can melt in your eyes and we can chat about football. I've noticed you're a blue like me. And that was blonde in the trench coat. Sounds a bit dull, doesn't it? Easier one. To Stacey, the brunette cutie, staffing the platform at Orpington station. Your smile and chattiness makes my day every time I come through there. Maybe you can make my evening over a drink sometime. Shy train driver. (gasps) Oh, no, you don't want a shy train driver. (sighs) They're the worst. They're they're harbouring all sorts of uh, strange things. But um, this one here, to the good-looking hunk in blue shirt eating cocktail sausages on the Victoria line at Brixton. I saw you this morning and was mesmerised by the way you ate a whole tub of cocktail sausages for breakfast. Maybe we could have a bratwurst one evening. Oh, dear. And that's from Brunette sitting opposite you. Oh, my God. These people harbour these thoughts. Try not to sit opposite anybody on the train today, ladies and gentlemen, and don't eat cocktail sausages. God knows where it could lead to. 14 minutes to six. Morning, everybody. Ten to six. I don't think I've given you a time. Oh, I have given you a time. I don't like to give time checks on the programme. I like to think we're a bit like Vegas. It doesn't really matter. And then I think, oh, wait a minute, perhaps you're trying to catch a train. When I read the Metro, and well, it's probably the most read newspaper because hey, it's free and you can pick them up all over the place, I always wonder about people who write into a newspaper with the good deed feed... And that's where people thank people for doing things, and I, I, I don't quite get it. There's one here, which is uh, from Linda in Worcester, who says, To the person who restored my faith in humanity on Wednesday by handing in the camera I'd left on Fourgate Street Station. Thank you. Mummy relieved and children ecstatic to get their holiday photos back. I mean, I don't, don't care. Why would you write that? There's another one here. Thank you to my partner, Michelle, writes Ron in Manchester, for your belief in me to keep fighting this hidden illness called depression. Each day I wake up, I keep going only because of you. Do you think they're made up and they just sort of put something in there? I mean, why would you do that? I mean, why would you want to share that with everybody else? Another one here. To the lovely lady who helped me to Platform 6 at Cardiff Station last Friday. I banged my head after a man fell on me on the stairs and was very shaken up. Your kindness meant so much. So some bloke falls on her and she has the strength to write a little thing to the paper. It's old, isn't it, really? One here from Boy in Blue. Thank you to the lovely girl who smiled at me coming up the escalators at London Bridge on Wednesday evening. You've no idea how much I needed that. It was wind, dear. It was wind. OK? She wasn't smiling at you. Nobody smiles at people as they're looking at you out of pity. Probably pity in your case. Uh, long-time listener visiting Toronto, says Mark. I've never thought about visiting Toronto. Have I really? Uh, my friend Graham is at Gatwick North Lounge. Drinking, already doesn't it? Doesn't take uh, much time. He's off for uh, for a small holiday again. Most of his holiday in- involves booze. <laughs> involves booze. <laughs> so he's sitting there. Uh, Bill in Sheffield says, "I'm going on a day trip to Skegness today. Weather forecast to be sunny. I've never been to Skegness. I think you should send me pictures back from from Skeggy. He's got to th- listen. If Sue Pollard likes the theatre there, then I want to see what it's like. Howard says fifty p is cheap to jump the queue when phoning in." Nick Ferrari charges two pound fifty. I think it's well worth every penny, don't you? Absolutely every penny. (laughs) I think fifty p to you know to jump a queue. Don't you think that's worth it? I think that's absolutely seriously worth it. When you consider how much you spend on your phone anyway, I want you to sit there on I I don't like sitting there waiting. You are held in a queue and will be answered shortly. We value your call. You're held in a queue and will be answered shortly. I and mean, when I want to hear somebody saying there's another 360 people in front of you, OK, do you want to sit here listening to this stupid message for much longer? No, I'd much rather pay the uh, the 50p. Much better. Much better. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, a lot of people go, it's amazing how many people still appear to be uh, going off on holidays at the moment. This it seems to be fairly late I think. Fairly late. Uh, Cold sliced tomatoes on toast, says Paul in Cheshire. Cold sliced... What a dull breakfast is that? Oh, I watched Four in a Bed the other day. And my favourite one was a guy who had this house where the views were sensational over this... I don't know, he was looking over some beautiful holiday resort. It was fantastic. It was water and... Oh, beautiful. And then another couple who had a farm. A working farm. And they took people out... Uh, uh, before they, uh, after they had breakfast, to go and meet some of the animals, and one of the men, he was quite ecstatic. He held a baby sheep. He said, I've "Never held a baby sh- a lamb. He said, I've never held a lamb before. He absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it.' And I thought that that was good. But uh, they do check for dirt in these places, don't they? So not showing. Sure. I believe," says Robbie, "that Chris Lowry has a beach hut in Frinton on Sea. How do you think?" <laughs> That's the kind of thing he would have, actually, a get-away-from-it-all place. I think he used to broadcast from there. Uh, Tom says, off to New York later. Any decent restaurants to recommend? No. I know nothing about restaurants in New York apart from Joe Allen's. That's the only one I know over there. Uh, And Chris, who says, I think people of Hampstead must retire to Frinton, having lived there. It's no wonder why it looks like a so-and-so place. Yes, I agree. Hailstones in Wimbledon yesterday, says Mary. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, David in Pearly says, I don't mind Mel and Sue as a pair. I will watch the show, but only if they don't have silly tasks on it, like making pottery or cookery, or zedless celebrities like The Only Wears Essex. Oh, you don't want any of those sort of people. Have you noticed, though, that they can't, on any of the, the chat shows, no matter how low rent they are, unless it's sort of something... They, they can't put anybody like the Fahir sisters or Chloe Sims, because they come over as, as completely, you know, mentaloids. They come over completely off their trolley. There was a thing the other day, and we've got some of the... Uh, Some of the stories coming up in our our free showbiz podcast a little bit later on. And it's Nicola McLean. The attention-seeking Nicola McLean, uh, whose husband has uh, given up on her. And I'm not at all surprised. She was always drippy. She's another one who walks down the road with her own photographer this time. uh, Carrying her dog. Who's like, you know, her dog's looking, thinking... Why don't you just put me on the ground and I'll walk? I hate people who walk along holding dogs. Anyway... To, uh, to give her some confidence, Nicola McLean, because she appears to have no friends at all, she has to go to the salon to have her hair extensions put in again. And so there's a picture of her outside the salon, a picture of her practically inside the salon, a picture of her holding the dog, a picture of her with really, really awful hair, and uh, then apparently she's in turmoil over the split. The trouble is, she was always a drip. I remember seeing her on a programme years ago, where she went and she was looking for a, um, a house abroad with... Um, with her footballer then-boyfriend. And uh, so she went round these posh houses. They had a million-pound budget. And so she's funny, I go, yeah, babe. They always talk like that. I don't know why. Yeah, babe, found this house. It's really nice. Anyway, and she went round with her mother, who was equally as barking mad, I'm afraid. And uh, then when they got back, it turned out that she'd been dumped by the boyfriend. He found somebody else. <laughs> Which all things quite funny. I always like it when people's relationships split up, especially when they're, they're such, you know, they, they've been out with somebody for about five minutes Gosh, Ashton Kutcher has sold his LA Bachelor pad. £9.925 million. Pounds. Wow. They're starting life in a new love, list, uh, love nest. And once uh, I had another story, actually, of a. Uh, oh, Jessica Wright. God, she's not still going, is she? She went to Vegas. That's how she stays there. And uh, Towie's Elliot Wright, who's a bit of a drip, actually, at the best of times, walking out with that peculiar Chloe Sims. I mean, she was just odd. They're not normal, are they? And he's sort of wearing clothes which aren't really suitable for an old man of his age. They're sort of aimed for younger people, Elliot. It's not for you, love. Can you wear something a little bit more your age? Sackcloth and ashes would be nice. And Simon Cowell wants to bring who back to the big screen. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. It's somebody who you wouldn't think of. Somebody who you would not think of. Simon Cowell bringing them back to the big, big screen. Um, Awful place. Skegness. Miss Skegness. It's a recommendation, not a contest. Uh, I don't know where the farm shop is," says Jane Hester. "Well, it's what well, the farm shop in Twickenham. It's in the middle. Can't miss it. It's owned by uh, Jody Schechter, the racing driver. He's got a farm. They do their own. They've got their own animals. They've got um, bison down there. I've got a bison in my bathroom. I um, and so they, they they've got bison. They do their own slaughtering. They have uh, ice cream pies, meat. They've got everything. It's like an old fashioned butcher. You know, we've got the fish shop. We've got Sandy's with Stuart and his." Uh, his attractive team, some of them, and, uh, and then over the road you've got the, uh, the farm shop, and then you've got Paul Cooper, just up a little bit, he was, f- he was furious the other day, when we had our, um, our meltdown in Twickenham, where we had a gas leak, uh, from four o'clock, quarter to four, they closed down the central High Street, no business, couldn't walk up there, couldn't do anything at all, they might as well have not been in existence, it was terrible. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Chris in Manchester says, I'd like to thank the lovely Steve Allen for his daily wit and enthusiasm, which always helps me get through the last couple of hours of the night shift. Should I be sending this to the Metro? Don't you dare. I wonder if they print it. That'd be quite funny, actually, if they printed it. Uh, the bottler did it. This is in Downton. Uh, a publicity shot for the new series shows the Earl of Grantham and Lady Edith... Standing next to a neat fireplace, blissfully unaware that a common plastic bottle is standing behind them. Apparently, they didn't come out till the 60s, which was four decades after this is supposed to be shot. It's not the first time the historical drama has been caught out. After a TV aerial and painted yellow lines on a road slipped through previous episodes, they're supposed to have people called continuity, and they're supposed to. The amount—I don't know why they bother with them. They're idiots. Absolute idiots. There's no continuity. How can you let yellow lines in in Downton Abbey? And a TV aerial? I mean, what do they do? They just sit there on the ground going, oh, they lookers as they're wearing the same stuff. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Charlene White, she's going to be doing the papers with, uh, with Nick Ferrari. She says, early start for me this morning. Quite normal for the rest of us. <laughs> 30 minutes to go on Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC, allegations against Cliff Richard, making the front pages of all the uh, the papers. There's a couple who've said, I do, 66 times in 30 countries, but none of it is legal. They've just sort of done it for, I suppose, they just like the, uh, the pictures. A new survey says you don't trust the train firms, the Lib Dems, who say make cannabis legal for those in pain. The mum who died from diabetes because she thought she was just tired and the doctor gave her iron tablets and Robbie Williams was secretly battling Parkinson's. Oh, and ITV dusting off Sunday night at the London Palladium. I mean, the line-up looks quite interesting. I mean, I'd I'd pay to see Neil Diamond anyway. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next.
0: This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet... At LBC. Text 84850 Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome
1: to Friday. I bet you're thrilled, aren't you? We've finally made it to the end of the week, and what a week it has been. Robin Williams was secretly battling Parkinson's, his wife now tells us. Uh, ITV have dusted off yet another one resurrected from the vaults Sunday night at the London Palladium. It's only a six-part series. It'll be filmed at the London Palladium. The wife of Andrew Sachs has condemned the BBC for bringing Jonathan Ross back to the radio. Apparently it's not permanent. He's just covering somebody who's going on holiday. Uh, The Lib Dems say make cannabis legal for those in pain. Brace yourself. Ageing presenter Ruth Langsford is now bringing out a fashion line because, she says, people think she's stylish. I don't think anybody's asked Eamon yet. And there are allegations against Cliff Richard making the front papers of all the papers. Nick Ferrari will be talking about that on his breakfast show this morning, asking why the media were alerted to this one before they'd even told Cliff Richard. John O'Connor's going to be in the studio as a former Met Police commander. He says he felt ashamed watching it, and if it was a police officer who tipped them off, they should be disciplined. Absolutely, it's broken all the the rules. Uh, Also, the story of a bird lover... (coughs) <coughs> I'm not really a fan of bird lovers. It has to be said. We have some mad woman in Twickenham who goes round feeding pigeons. Uh, basically, she's dumping rubbish all over the place. So it's not just pigeons; it's ducks, it's rats, it's everything. They don't realise these people. They seem to think they're going to starve. Whereas in fact, if she wasn't there, uh, they would. All these people would would quite happily, you know, they they would live. Pigeons live because they forage. They eat just about anything. Anyway, this woman here has thrown crusts onto the street below her second-floor flat. Uh, she was caught by uh, an eagle-eyed litter warden who ordered her to pay her £50 on-the-spot fine. She insists she was doing nothing wrong. She says there are no signs saying do not feed the birds, and the bread was gone in a few seconds. I looked out the window. There was nobody around, so I put out a few pieces of bread. Then a warden appeared and ended up calling to me, said I was littering and, without warning, gave me a fine. She's an Italian-born student at the age of 32, who is studying at Swansea University. She said, I was only trying to, to do good. The birds need to eat too. I was very upset. Oh, dear, she's mad as a broomstick. Mad as a broomstick. Birds don't need to eat. They eat, you know, they eat things. If there, were, if there were no people here, birds would still survive. Swansea City Council says its warden was right to take action as they regularly get complaints about the issue. We spend thousands of pounds every year clearing up this mess and would ask people not to drop bread or litter. And so there's a picture of a silly woman. Silly, silly woman! She deserves to be fined fifty. P- I'd have made it a thousand pounds. A thousand pounds! People who go. The birds need to be fed too. No, they don't, dear. We know. Mary Poppins said, "Feed the birds, tuppence a bag." But uh, I don't see any pigeons dropping dead in Trafalgar Square because all of a sudden their food has been taken away from them. Don't feed them. They forage quite nicely by themselves. And all you're doing is making them reliant on humans feeding them which we call, s- ultimately, is going to kill them, because eventually there will come a time when they, when they don't do things like that. Uh, they do a lot of filming on My Round, says Kevin. Interesting to watch them transform, road. transform roads back to different periods. I've seen part of Spitalfields in every era over 300 years had two film crews at Arnold Circus this week alone. They put black grit sheets over the double yellow lines, and they take down the modern signs. Wow. You see, I, I, my, my friend... Who does the uh, the London walks? Diane Bursting? She loves finding famous film sites in London, places where they go to to film, and they transform it. There's a big mansion that's just come up for sale in Portland Place, and I think they used it for the Madness of, or I think something like that. It's been used as a film set. Anyway, it's a, uh, the Adams brothers designed it all those years ago. They haven't put a price on it, but I'm expecting it's going to go for a huge sum. It's a six-story, uh, twenty thousand square feet building. And it's freehold, so it's going to go for a lot of money. And they uh, they, they, sort of think it'll go... But you, I looked at the interior. Oh, my God, it needs some some money spending on it. Right? On period TV programmes, says Stuart, look out for plastic guttering and downpipes. <laughs> See, I love that. I absolutely love things like that. I think that's so clever. Uh, Ellen's Stardust Diner, says Mary. New York, singing waitresses and waiters, singing hits of the 50s and Broadway. Uh, Gary says, uh, "Could you give me the lottery numbers for well, one of them's 31, another one 7, 23, 41, and I think 17." It would be so funny, wouldn't it, if they came in. It would be so funny. People would accuse it of being a terrible fix. They were just the numbers I saw. So if you want to pick any of those, we don't, we don't guarantee a win. But if you do, I'm on 15%. OK, just thought I'd mention that now, just in case you thought you were going to get it all for free. On the subject of hailstones yesterday, Angela and Bob says, yes, we're still here, still listening in the morning, but always from under the duvet. We are at that age. And they sent me in pictures, uh, a, a picture, so I do be good, of the hailstones yesterday. Which they got down in Pratt's bottom. And much deserved, I should imagine. <laughs> anyway. See, we didn't get anything like that. We did get a bit of rain. It clouded over and like, oh, here we go. Not so good. But then it, it brightened up again. But then it went it became a bit windy, and that's when the hanging baskets. I quite like hail, isn't it funny? Here we are in August. It's supposed to be boiling hot and you know, and supposed to be good like that. Don't you hate restaurants, says Brian in Thailand, that serve frozen pats of butter? Well I think yes, I especially when they take it out of the fridge in the morning. You can never do it on your toast. Pulls the toast to pieces. I, like, uh, I never think those, those pats are butter enough, though. But on the other hand, if somebody put down... We used to have a, a canteen where you could, people used to share the peanut butter and the Marmite and everything. I couldn't do that. I'd want my own. And the butter as well. I don't want to share butter with people because it's messy on the knives. And then they, then they put it into the Marmite and then it gets butter in the Marmite. Oh, no. No, thank you. I don't know how we're going to do it. Perhaps we should have squeezy butter you know it comes in a tube and you just sort of push a little button and it uh, and it and it sort of then sort of does it that way i can't think of anything else actually that can get around it the little pats of br- butter are always just ridiculously too small you need two to do a piece of toast don't you unless you spread it really really thinly but i never think there's enough it's like sugar you know i don't take sugar as you know but uh, there's probably a lot of other people that that do that and it's uh, you get a little packet of sugar and i think is that supposed to be a spoonful of sugar i know people who put spoonfuls of sugar in a cup of tea, I couldn't. I mean, I think it's it's quite. I try to do it with a cup of tea now, actually, but I'm not going to ask for one because I finish in about 17 minutes. Then we've got a free podcast to do, and then lovely Tamsin Althwaite will come in for uh, for a pre-record for in conversation. Lot to talk to uh, to her about. You remember her, of course, as Melanie Owen in EastEnders, and she's in New Tricks as Victoria Kemp. Uh, she's currently serving as the lead role, DCI Sasha Miller, replacing Amanda Redman. And uh, she's also got, I think she's appearing live on stage as well, in the West End. And I think that's going to be Breeders, so we'll find out about that. As well as, um, she's being a, she's a mum of two. She's a a separated mum of two. And she made all the papers the other week. She was talking about the pressure on people to lose weight. And she, she highlighted Disney and said that all their princesses had big heads, but little tiny bodies. Little tiny bodies, which is not so good. But anyway, uh, Breeders is with uh, herself and Angela Griffin leading the company, uh, which is definitely it's a new play by Ben Ockrent and opens the Stage One producer season at the St James's Theatre. This opens on the eighth of September, so we'll have a chat to her about that and this uh, and this sort of pressure on people to be thin. Of course, she's going to love seeing me because there's no pressure on me to be thin at all. Although sometimes I wish I wish there was. We simply do not trust train firms. That's, and it's not me. That's obviously you, rail passengers. And I am a rail passenger, but, I mean, I trust the train car. What is there not to trust? The reason uh, is that you don't believe they're on your side. Many don't trust the operator to provide a good day-to-day service or to be truthful, fair, or communicate effectively. That's according to Passenger Focus. I've never had any problem. All the guards I've understood, except one who lapsed into Polish the other day. You obviously forgot where, where she was. Uh, Anthony Smith, Says there was much that train companies could do to improve trust, but getting the basic service right should come first. I have a great service. I I hardly get any train cancellations at all. In fact, I cannot remember when we had a train cancellation at Waterloo. There's always, because I can get about six different trains, so it doesn't make any difference to me. I like to sit, oh no, I'm I'm, generally speaking the only one sitting in first class. Now there's loads of people, chavvy people sitting in first class, who quite clearly aren't used to the luxury. You know, of having the waiter service and everything else, and the in the in train films, which we all enjoy. Most trusted service is Grand Central. Least trusted is Southern. I don't know which one I'm on actually. Uh, Southeastern we've got. So oh, Southwest trains. Oh dear, they're way down at number eight. It's not so good, is it? Uh, they, do, they they don't actually make the most trusted service. Scotrail does very well. As do Virgin Trains, East Coast. Cross-country. They sound a bit nice, don't they? They sound a bit rural, whereas ours are First Capital Connect, Greater Anglia, London Overground, South-West Trains, C2C, Northern Rail, First Great Western. They sound a bit boring and dull, don't they? That's just why nobody trusts them, I suppose. Uh, A spokesman for Southern, which scored lowest for service, said the poll was carried out in January during some of the worst weather in living memory. Exactly if there's really bad weather, what are they supposed to do about it? It's not their fault. Ferry you around, I don't think. I don't think so. Um, Other stories in the papers today which are running, I I mentioned earlier black is the new orange for the seaside Sainsbury's. It's because down in Frinton they've decided they want to preserve the way that things are and they like their shop fronts to be so-so. So they've said to Sainsbury's, go back to what it was originally, which is black and gold, and we'll all be quite happy about it. If you don't want to do that, you're not having a shop. And, of course, Sainsbury's will end up complying because they want to get themselves into every high street. I've, I've never been... I should really talk to Chris Lowry about this. I've never been to Frinton at all. I would quite like to go. I think it's got a little pier... And little beach huts and stuff like that. It sounds like the idyllic place to go to, doesn't it, really? I've not been. Perhaps that should be one of my excursions. Quarter past six. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning at breakfast. Cliff Richard's house has been searched over historical sex abuse allegations. But why was the media tipped off and has it already harmed the investigation? Plus, it's unlikely a rescue mission in Iraq will go ahead after it was revealed that only 2,000 refugees remain stranded on Mount Singa. Why don't these 2,000 lives matter enough for a rescue mission? And a woman says her daughter wasn't allowed to eat her chicken sandwich at nursery school because it wasn't halal. The full story with Nick Frari. And the team, this morning at 7, Charlene White, the ITV news presenter, will be in the studio going through the papers for Nick. And there, it's the same story on every single front page. Let me just check all of them, actually. So the front of the, the sun, it's Robin had Parkinson's. This is Robin Williams... Uh, Cliff Richard on the front of the sun. Uh, on the front of the uh, the mail. Star's fury as police raid his £3 million home after claims of sex assault. Uh, the Daily Mirror. Cliff denies I will fully cooperate with the police investigation. But uh, Nick will be asking, you know, how on earth the media got hold of this one before Cliff Richard even knew about it. Uh, the Daily Express 97% back our crusade to scrap hospital car parking charges. Downton Abbey. First viewing of the brilliant new series. It's got Sue Johnson in it, so that's uh, that's well worth it. Cliff Richard, and they've spoken to uh, various friends of his. Uh, at the Times today, exams end class divide. This is A-level results. See poorer teenagers ignoring debt worries and surging into university. They don't, people don't seem to care about this, do they? Mind you, I've seen lots of young people nowadays saying, we don't worry about going into debt. We had a woman the other day who had, I think, the... Was it the biggest trout pout? And they, they'd said... Um, she had this trout pout, and she was really pleased with it. Everybody else says it looked absolutely ridiculous. And she said, I don't care that I'm in debt over it, because I think I look really good. And I thought, no, you don't. Uh, Chigwell Hall, and Chigwell, Colin, thank you, it says, next time you visit the Onger Railway, please come and see us. They're a fish fine dining restaurant. You know me and fish. I'm afraid it's not uh, <laughs> it's not my favourite thing, fish. Um, 84850, Steve LBC. Uh, um Did you see Brian Blessed and who do you think you are? Very moving, says Mary. No, I'm a big fan of Brian Blessed. I've interviewed his wife before as well, but Brian, is, he'd be a bit loud for me for In Conversation. I think he'd be very loud for In Conversation. Front page of the Metro today. Colin Murray why there'll be trouble at the top this season. Sir Cliff's Fury is on the front page. The Telegraph running with exactly the same story. Cliff Richard insisting nothing to do with me. Uh, Robin Williams Parkinson's disease and, as I almost predicted the other day, um, wrap up, the big chill is on the way. So having had lots of sunny weather and then all of a sudden we get the big chill. They say temperatures could fall as low as eight degrees centigrade with winds pushing the mercury close to freezing in some areas. Well, as you know, in Pratt's Bottom, Andrew and Bob, they had hail yesterday. There must be other people as well who had hail. I didn't. I feel feel a bit left out, actually. Uh, The NHS is on the front page of The Independent, facing a huge bill over private providers' botched eye operations. And there was a story earlier on, which I can't find in the papers today, about the police in the future who will be all equipped with cameras. And this is at a cost of something like £9 million. And I think possibly Nick Ferrari will uh, ask John O'Connor, former Met Police commander, about this. This is, I think, mainly to protect the police... Uh, and it means that they can record everything so much easier. Haringey for the continent, Frinton for the incontinent, says Paul in Loughton. I think that's been adapted so many times, hasn't it? I still want to go there. I quite like the idea. See, I don't mind an old-fashioned town. You know, and it, it, you know provided it's got a Kiss Me Quick hat and a stick of rock, you should be all right. But old-fashioned doesn't bother me in the slightest. I like... Unfortunately, I like the more genteel things. I could happily sit at the end of a pier, if Frinton's got one, having a cup of tea and staring out to see that. It'd make my day. I'm I'm not remotely bothered about noisy Even amusement arcades. I can cope with amusement arcades just about. Just about. I don't want want too many of them, because it encourages kids, and then you get noise and screaming and running. Oh, no. Definitely not. Thank you very much indeed. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says here, all frontline officers working for the Met are going to routinely use body-worn cameras by 2016. Ollie was asking if it was sort of money well spent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's it's the the best value, of course. Because then you get the evidence. Oh, they do stake as well, which is quite useful. Thank you very much indeed, Colin. (laughs) <laughs> steak as well <laughs> makes it sound a bit exciting. Do you know? Do you remember years ago when people went out to restaurants? I remember going out to places my parents, and it was it was considered quite exciting to have. Perhaps we didn't cook it. I don't know. Steak and chips, or scampi and chips, and then to have sort of strawberries and cream was considered quite posh. You know, people we used to dress up for going out to dinner. Wouldn't dress up now. I mean, I'm I'm much more of a, a casual person. Uh, eight four eight five zero stevedlbccouk dot co dot uk. And I, I think, really, the idea of actually saying, and we do steak as well, I think is really good, actually. <laughs> and who are we going to see later? Oh, I think, yes, I think we have, uh, is going to be there. Just hope the rain stays away, because I think the, we're all going out for dinner tonight, we don't really want to get wet, uh, for this. So having a look at the, uh, the weather as it came in earlier on, it doesn't look too bad, actually. Sonia on Frinton says the people of Frinton think they're posh. They even make the seagulls fly upside down. Such a good line, isn't it? Very good line. Uh, And Alan says, Awakenings, with Robin Williams, uh, about a Parkinson's sufferer. Thank you, Alan, very much indeed. Um, They've started showing his films on the television, which I'm very pleased about. I'm in Mallorca, says Helen, and uh, you're the only person who makes any sense to me. I'm living in a building site whilst doing a house up here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Sounds a nightmare, doesn't it? This I've got to go, I've just realised, because we've, uh, we've run out of time. I'm back on Sunday morning at five o'clock with In Conversation. This week, Anthony Head and Kevin Bishop. I'm live at six as well. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen again through our podcast service. Download the app on the LBC website.
3: Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari here from Seven. Next, though, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.